We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the corner. Better late than never. We are in the building. I'm Kel Dansby. And I'm Andreas Hill. And you should know that by now. This is episode 30, I believe. We're up there. Yeah, it's a lot of episodes. We've been here for a while. Andreas is back from the plague. Yes! Finally, and we've had a crazy week of combat sports. There's so much to talk about. Man, this really is a lot. Um, it's kind of ODing watching all this stuff. It, 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 we kind of had to wait to do the show because TakeOver was last night, which we'll talk about in a minute, but, man, it's a lot. I, yeah, it's a it's a ton, and there was a craziness on Twitter, too. So Which I mean, one? I mean, everything. I mean, we had 1188. We had leaked nudes. We have... Derek Fisher, Matt Barnes. Let's beat. start there. Let's start. That's 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 the the beauty of everything. Matt Barnes versus Derek Fisher over Gloria Govan. Um, apparently, what Matt Barnes drove a good ninety eight miles to, to put them things on Derek Fisher for sticking his thing in his girl. Worth it. Ninety eight miles. That's nothing. That's a ride though. Like you, that's not even your wife anymore. Y'all about to get a divorce. Yo, she's always his wife. Do we got to go down that path? Like it's always your wife. I, I get um, it. Listen, man, he's hurt. I understand. People do some stupid stuff in the name of love. Now, Derek Fisher taking your chick, that hurts. That That's like the worst thing of it all. Not, not only is like, it's not like Derek Fisher hitting game-winning jumpers, Derek Fisher. This is Derek Fisher. I can't operate the triangle in New York, Derek Fisher. And a, a midget. What happened to Derek Fisher's wife? Didn't, like I saw a special, like his daughter was in a hospital. Him and his wife were like by her side. That's over, apparently. Yeah, right? Damn, wives are losing. Yeah. Wives are the losers. 
Biggest Loser is what? Well, I mean. Divorcees are winning. Yeah. Gloria Basketball. I mean, she went from player to head coach of the Knicks. I don't know which one's worse. Uh, Derek Fisher might be making more money at this point. He, he yeah, well, sure. Yeah, I mean, she's just, listen, she ain't as set up as her sister is, so she got to do what she can to stay afloat. Her hey. sister's living off of that Gilbert Arenas money. Yeah, that Gilbert Arenas money. Man. Still coming in. He's still getting like 20 mil a year. Speaking of Gilbert Arenas, before we get too off subject, did you see the excerpts from Karan Butler's book? Oh, that's that was thugging in real life. Didn't that basketball player actually get arrested for killing someone? Jarvis Crittenton did get arrested. Yeah. He actually, uh, I think he played guilty to like involuntary manslaughter. He owes Karan Butler his life. Karan saved him. Because you can have as many guns as you want. That don't mean you're going to shoot somebody. Look, funny story. Uh, my pops, who lives in Temecula, California, Be- calls Temecula. me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> calls me and says, you know, I got somebody I want you to talk to. And he puts me on the phone with Gilbert Arenas' dad. It's like three years ago. And I'm just talking. I'm like, who is this? He's like, it's Gilbert Arenas Sr. And I was like, really? So we're like having this conversation. He's like, he tells me that he wants to talk to me about his son. And I couldn't get anybody to bite on the story at the time. Like, I couldn't get an outlet that would truly bite on the story because Arenas was out of the league. But he was like, I want to talk about his gun issues and all this stuff. And we never got a chance to talk about it. Now I feel like I need to call his pops and be like, yo, your son almost got murked. Because <laughs> Crittens is for now real. Story. Yeah, like your, your son plays with guns. He uses them. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Like now you know the guy's in prison. It's like that right. could have went left. Anyway, back to Matt Barnes and, and Derek Fisher. Um, <laughs> everything that was said on social media was hilarious. Talking about Derek Fisher's got two triangles he can't figure out. Genius. That was three to the day. Uh, man, like Matt Barnes spitting in her face. Like I, that's what I never get. Like you don't drive that far 95 miles or whatever it was to then just disrespect your wife like if anything go and get her back like yeah win professional love or something like some real shakespeare joint like you don't go and spit in her face like you just go to beef i guess the kids were there the kids ratted on d fish i mean do they call him uncle fish that's what would hurt I don't know. He's sticking his Bozak in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uncle Fish was over at the house last night. See, Never trust the uncle. V. Like, that, if you're not related, don't trust the uncle. What was Matt Barnes' playlist on the way to put his hands and spit in Gloria's face? Like, what was he listening to? All Onyx. You start off with Onyx, and then right before you get there, you play 97 Bonnie and Clyde, and then Kim. Back to back. Like, then, Kim just amps you up. But then you're going to jail. I'm just saying. I'm just like I'm trying to figure out the, the mentality behind trying to drive all these miles, and then he didn't really. I don't think he really planned it out when he got there. I think he just got there and reacted. Yeah. Whatever his original <laughs> plan was, probably to punch Derek Fisher in the face, probably to tell Gloria something crazy, and everybody go ooh, and then he hops in his car and left. That was probably his original idea. Then he just got there, saw his girl's face, thought about her lips wrapped around the head coach Fisher's. You know what? And then he just spit in her face and then lost all control. Word. Who looks like the biggest Didn't loser? Two piece fish? That's what they say. Yeah. Who's the biggest loser? He's the biggest loser. I Matt, mean, Matt, yeah. Matt, Matt takes the L. Just because you look so desperate, my man. Like, I mean, you were just he, out here, you know, he trying to. about Rihanna. That's what I'm saying. And piping Rihanna. And then now you come back and you're, you got to go battle for your lady's honor like a night at the round table. And then that goes left. Like, damn, Matt Barnes. I mean, Let's karma, go get a side chick or two. That's what I'm saying. Karma's something else. Go like, to a strip club. If there was anything between you and Rihanna and you left Gloria alone, why would you, first of all, put that on social media? This is karma coming back to get you. 
Now Gloria's sleeping with Derek Fisher. Nobody knew it but them. Now everybody knows. So it. now he exposed. That's another thing. Like it was quiet at least. Yeah. It only hurt him. Like this is the perfect case of a man letting his pride get to him. Big time. Because he's the only one that knows. He could have just took that to the grave, took the L, went, got like five randos off of IG, flew him out, had a nice little time. He would have been fine. Just take a weekend, my man. Hot tub, five IG models with a couple fake body parts. You're good. Bottle of Patron. It'll get you through. Just heal your soul like that. Instead, his pride got the better of him. He had to put it on blast. He had to drive all the way down there. And now he looks like an idiot. A complete idiot. That's what happens when your girl leaves you and then she gets way more fly. See, yeah, that's the other problem. Because I know he's been looking at her for years. It was like, you all right? Yeah, as like, soon as she left, it was like, oh, whoops. Yo, that shit happens to the best of us, though. Yeah, Like, well, I've had that happen before. Like, yo, you know what? Like, you you know, you get with someone. You're like, yo, you're mad pretty, all this stuff. They kind of just relax. They chill. Right. They leave you looking fly, a million Instagram pictures, all this. You'd be like, oh, ain't you brand new? Just out there showing yourself. And us dudes, we never tighten up. Like, once we leave our girls, we look worse. Oh, yeah, yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Like, you go through the scruff from a gruff phase. Yeah. Like your like, beard we, is crazy. We just look look completely ridiculous. Women step their game up. We just, we do what we always do because we never had to make up our face in the beginning. Yep. Now these women go out here and they, they change their clothes. They don't look good again until we get another girl. Nah, yeah, we because the look. girl is what makes you fly. This is what a lot of people don't admit. Like, we're grown men, and I don't dress myself for events. <laughs> like, if I got a real event, like my girl come in, pick out my clothes. Yo, what should I wear? Boom, put this together with that. How does it look? You get the stamp of approval from your girl. You looking fly? You got the fresh haircut. That's when you look your best. Yo, when you when you don't have a girl, when your girl leaves you, your hairline don't even be right. You leave a barber's chair not feeling good about yourself. You just don't care. Nah, you're you're just done until you get another girl, and then it takes a lot to get another girl because you gotta pull her while you're bummy. Yeah, it's it's the struggle. Straight slum life, man. We Yo, live women in that don't understand that. Women don't understand that. So I understand Matt Barnes. I understand where he's coming from. I've done some pretty dumb stuff after leaving a relationship too. Uh, never that dumb. I'm not driving 95 miles anywhere. It's a lot of gas. Yeah, it ain't cheap. It ain't. And it's a lot of time to think. Like, 95 miles isn't, like, too long, but it's just long enough to you be. You get halfway there and you go, what am I doing? And then you just get mad all over again. You don't got no friends. Like, nah. on that drive, you got to call a friend and they got to talk you down. Yeah, you, you really do. You need to Bluetooth it and be like, yo, Kobe, I know we're not friends, but we were all teammates somebody. in L.A. Jordan Hill, somebody. <laughs> somebody <laughs> who will just be like, yo, let's go drink. Let's get a bottle, go to a strip club, just just give you a good guy's night of camaraderie. So you have something to dress up for, rent a Lambo, like just do something stupid. I'll tell you what, though. When the Knicks play the Grizzlies, I want to go because I think there's going to be a flagrant foul in the first two minutes <laughs> on the ref, on the coach. I think Matt Barnes is just going to throw an elbow at Fish. I need, I need to see the handshaking line. There ain't going to be no handshaking line. There might when be they a meet at, Yeah, you know, right before – Meet at center court or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to see that. That's what I want to see. I didn't even know Matt Barnes was on the Grizz. Matt Barnes didn't know he was on the Grizz. They probably just <laughs> told him today. It's like, look, dog, you play for the Grizz. Oh, damn. Really? He was so off the radar, yo. Like, once you disappear from reality television, your life is over. Yo, it was a wrap, man. He played for the Clips. Clips got rid of him. Clips retooled. Went to the Grizzlies. And 
whatever. He's like 18th man on that bench right now, yeah. hurting. And that's what happens. You go to Memphis, and he left L.A., so he can't even get none of the super bad chicks anymore. No, it's, it's... Like Memphis, sorry, Memphis, no disrespect if anyone's listening from there, but you only got a handful of bad ones in Memphis. Like, you got to fly them in. And no girls want to be in cold climate all winter. So now he's lonely. He's by himself. He's about to leave L.A. to go to Memphis. I understand. I understand. He's missing his old thing. Every now and then you want the old thing back. Yeah, hard times, hard times. So let's move on, man. We don't spend too much time talking about Derek Fisher (laughs) and Matt Barnes' dumbass. And Twitter in general, which is crazy. Right off the bat, let's recap NXT TakeOver. Um, It's the event that everybody talked about this week. Uh, Glad we're doing the show after it. Yeah, right after it. Were you impressed with the main event with Sasha Banks and Bailey? Um, Iron Man matches are rough. It is tough. Uh, I was impressed. They did well. And I'm not judging it on the standpoint of them being two women. Right. I'm judging it as a match. And as a match, it was pretty good. I'm glad it was 30 minutes. It had a good pace. It wasn't as many rest holds as we've seen in other Iron Man matches. Uh, I like they both got two... Uh, Two wins going into the final minutes. That was dope. It built intrigue. Sasha was leading the whole way. Kind of built that story. It had a story. From yeah. start to finish, it had a story. Bailey turned the tide, and she's picking on Sasha's arm. and I liked it. They played off of the first one, carried it into the second one. Sasha's an amazing heel. Even, uh, even at the end, like when they hug and all that stuff, just during the match, when she turns it on, her character is there all the time. She made the little girl cry. That Look. Right there, the most brilliant aspect of that match. Okay, when before the match started, it was already emotional. When we saw them backstage making their walk, you can see it on Sasha's a crier. It's evident after watching the NXT 24 special. <laughs> after watching everything, Sasha Banks is a true crier. Like she was damn near in tears when they talked about the Iron Man match a couple of NXT specials uh, NXTs ago when Regal made the match. But when she came out, you could see the emotion, and then she she flipped the switch, and she turned it on, and she went straight heel. When she made the little girl cry, like, I wonder if Sasha was like, damn, I just made that little girl cry. Like, I went too far. Yeah. I I know there's some people out there that said that the little girl was part of the act, and no, you can't make little girls cry like that. That girl was (laughs) boo-hooing. Like, Sasha felt bad about that. She took her headband. She talked trash to her. She's smashing (laughs) her favorite wrestler in front of her. Sasha Banks is probably one of the best performers in the in WWE period, male or female. That girl can sell. Like when when Bailey went for the uh, the snap on the arm on the ropes and Sasha fell to the to the ground, it, it looked she just sells everything. Everything's crazy. Like some of the way she lands on her head and neck and stuff, I'm just like, ooh. Yeah, she almost like, took yo, that, that. Can't be right. That that arm flip and arm flip under like, the neck and shoulder. I thought she was gonna be legit hurt. Me too. And I was like, what? And then she just bounces back up. Yeah. And then the first match when she takes like the reverse hurricanrana from the top rope and yeah. like just lands on her head. I'm just like, yo, that puts anyone else out. But her flexibility and everything saves her. I think it was the the great thing was is that they did play off of the last match. So there's a lot of false finishes. Like when Bailey went for that reverse hurricane Rana and Sasha landed in on her well, on her ass and then got to her feet. Like there were a lot of things that played off of that last match, which was excellent storytelling that got you involved. Thirty minutes was enough. Um you can tell they were trying to pace themselves early. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were trying to figure out, you know, time. They were uh, they're trying to keep an eye on the clock. When do we get started? Like, when do we go go for the finish? So you can see Sasha and Bailey kind of calling the match, but it was good. I was I was impressed. I mean, it was more emotional than anything else to watch. You know, the the fans get into it. Uh, you deserved it. Like, 
And then the tears at the end by both parties. It, it was just amazing. It was a great moment. I'm glad they made it the main event. Um, they did well for themselves. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it's kind of bittersweet as a wrestling fan because, like, the tears at the end and the way everyone treated it. Like, right. you know, the entire locker room coming out, Triple H coming out, everyone. It's kind of like, man, you know that Sasha's going up to the main roster and you can't do this up there. No, like you, as much as they say they want to change, and there's a divas revolution and all this stuff, it's never gonna happen again. No, like th- for those two, like you can only do it down there, and it's the last time we're seeing it. Yeah, this was truly it. This was like the end of an era in NXT with Asuka coming out. I don't know why they call her Asuka. Her name looks like Asuka, but whatever. Um, Asuka. But with Nia Nia Jax debuting this week, with like with all the women that they're bringing in now, it's a changing of the guard, and Bailey's gonna have to lead, be the front runner of NXT for the time being until she gets called up, which yeah. I predict will be around Mania. But we know what's about to happen to Sasha Banks. She's going to that main roster, and it's gonna be a bunch of we want Sasha ch- chance, and then she's gonna come out there, do a few moves, and she'll get about five minutes. And that's that's it. That's it. That's as long as their fights are. I mean, Raw's three hours, but Divas can't get more than five minutes, which is stupid. Um, well, they now still that call they have Divas. Talent. They still call Divas. Divas. They need to stop calling them Divas. Yes. Please. Like, these women can wrestle. Like, the women that you have just called up can wrestle. You know, Alicia Fox and Nikki Bella and them, they just need to adapt to this style. That's the only way it's going to be a revolution. You can't bring these women along. And, and dumb they, them down. Yeah, yeah. Because essentially that's what you're doing. Because even Naomi, those girls, and Tamina Snooker, those girls can go. But if you keep having five-minute matches and, like, they don't – they're not active enough. Like, they're not violent enough matches. Like, they throw punches in NXT, elbows. When you watch a Divas match on, on Raw, it's like – Hair pulling. Yeah, it's, it's just – Hair toss. Not the same. So, I just – I felt really bad at the end because I know Sasha was basically graduating to a new level where she will never really get to do the things that she did before. Hopefully the WWE and Triple H gets in their ears like, look, at WrestleMania we need to have like great matches. We need to start this off Royal Rumble. We need to do something. We cannot continue with these, this Divas revolution because it's a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, nah, he has to put that blueprint onto the main roster. And Vince can only ignore it so much. Like Now they're like ratings are dropping and Vince is more hands-on. Well, it's not working. No, it's not. And the only thing that's catching fire right now is NXT. How about you follow that blueprint and see how it works? How about you let Triple H now control what is pretty much his talent? Right. And that's what happens. They just outgrew everyone who's making decisions on the top. It's like Triple H said it. Every match in the last WrestleMania had one person from NXT. Everyone. It's all his guys. Let him control his guys now. Before we go further down the card, I do want to also make a note of one thing. is Watching the NXT uh, WWE 24 special, watching the NXT panel, watching TakeOver, I think that the WWE never realized that NXT was going to be as important as it is to the network. The network is basically an NXT thing. Because now it's like table of three is like a bunch of guys. Like you have Xavier Woods and Big E. Those are NXT guys. Definitely. Like the one that just premiered with Cesaro and Kevin Owens and Dean Ambrose. Those were NXT guys. There's an indie element here that's breaking kayfabe and that's doing all these things that is basically the backbone of the network. And that's making people want to watch the network. Like they kind of figured it out underneath their own nose. Like they, I don't think they ever realized how big NXT was going to become. They never realized it was going to fill up Barclays in Brooklyn. Yeah. So now you have all these things centered around it. Now the transition has to happen to the main roster. 
it's going to take some time. But, I mean, Triple H is the guy to do it. It's so funny that in NXT, kayfabe is just like, yo, whatever. Yeah. Like, they don't care. They're just like, be you. And we can tell your story. And Triple H was part of one of the biggest breaks in kayfabe ever. Like, right. what, 20 years ago almost now. Yep. And they just said, whatever, we don't care about that. We're still good enough to continue our stories, but show you our real selves at the same time. And now he's just telling them, like, yo, if that's you, do it. If you want to break it, break it. Like, anything on the network, you guys can chill and say, this is my friend outside of here. And then if you have a rivalry, we'll bring it in. And uh, we saw that with Owens and Zayn. Right. As soon as Owens came in the door, it was like, yo, we're not hiding their indie past. No, you can't. We're not creating a story from scratch. We're going to use real life 14 years of history to tell a false story about it. But they're still friends when they leave here. Right. And they're the best of friends, but we can flip that to use it. And that's what it takes. Well, like, Joe and, Joe and Finn are going to be the same way. They'll create some type of jealousy angle. That they were so good friends, such good friends, and they grew together, and they traveled the road together, and all this stuff, and Joe wanted the title, and it turns. You can use that. It's not gimmicky characters in comic books anymore. No, and the other thing is that, like, when the network started, it was all built on nostalgia. Like, most people just watched Attitude Era stuff. It's been done so much. Even with the video games, it's like Attitude Era, The Click, uh... Shawn Michaels, Steve Austin. Yeah, it's like all this, but right under your nose, you're building the future. And that's what I'm watching now. Like, I'm watching these NXT specials. I'm watching, like, that 24 was probably the best one they had yet. Definitely. You know, even, like, the Daniel Bryan thing. It's like, you look at a lot of these guys. They come from the indies, and they have a story to tell. And their story is more significant than any cartoony story about Kane and him being the Undertaker's brother that you can tell. And it's more intriguing. So... I figure I, I look at it as like I think Triple H has it figured out, and it's gonna take a while for Vince to understand. Like, let's stop looking to the past. Let's go to the future. Um, but let's go down the card. Samoa Joe and Finn Balor win the tag titles. People weren't happy about that. I was, and I'm gonna tell you why. Oh man! Um, once again, it, I expected the heel turn. I was kind of upset when I didn't get the heel turn. Um. It was like, come on. Like, we've been building. It's like they weren't supposed to win. When I saw Corbin and Rhino go, I was like, oh, they're going to win. Because I thought it was the springboard for Gable and Jordan. So I was like, cool. They they win the trophy. Now they can go challenge for the belts. And you establish a legit tag team with a trophy and, and some, like, you know, metal behind them. Instead, Corbin wins. And then it's like, oh, riding on the wall, Finn and Samoa Joe are going to win for no reason. Well, there is a reason. Like, I was with you. Gable and Jordan showed out. Their match against Corbin and Rhino was great. Sneakily, there's some really good tag teams in NXT right now. There really are. And Gable and Jordan are like world's greatest tag team 2.0, right? Like Charlie Haas, Shelton Benjamin. Except Gable is turning more into like a Kurt Angle type. He, like, he's he's such a good douchebag oh, that, yeah. you, that you love to hate him. <laughs> Ready, willing, and game. Yeah, like everything <laughs> is brilliant. And Jason Jordan has turned into a great talent. He's a perfect tag team partner. Um, but there's a reason why Balor and, and uh, Samojo won this tournament, because it's the Dusty Rhodes Classic. It would not look right to have, because you had um, the kids, Dustin and uh, Stardust, being out of character. <laughs> yeah. But Cody. But you had. Don't even remember. But Cody's you, dead. You even brought in Eden Styles. You know who who's the, his wife, 
they broke kayfabe completely. Who is amazing, by the way. She is impeccable looking. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, damn, man. Oh, Sasha doesn't Cody hear this. And like, yeah, like, Cody got him a sister, but um, Cody's winning in life right now. But you knew, I knew from the moment they said that the Rhodes family was in attendance and they were not in character that Balorin Owens was going to win. I mean, Balor and Samoa Joe is going to win because it wouldn't look right having heels win that tournament and have that moment for the inaugural Dusty Rhodes Cup to have two heels or Gable and Jordan, who are essentially heels. They wanted to create a moment and Balor and Joe are a moment. Now, the injury, how that plays into it, we'll see because it was weird because it's like they were telling a story that would set you up to think they were going to lose or the turn, but they couldn't have a, the heel turn would have tainted the cup. So, and I think Dusty. If he was alive, would say tell the story. Like, yeah. well, see if Dusty nostalgia was around, aside, like tell if, the story. If we wanted to go super meta on this, they, if I would appreciate it if they would have had a Dusty finish, right? <laughs> like if they would have had one of those false finishes, you counted and everybody's cheering. It's like whoa, 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 his foot's on the rope, or whoa, 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 there was a DQ. I would appreciate that. Would have been super meta. I don't think anybody would have really got it, but I would have loved that. But I got it once they won, and I saw them. You know, I saw Finn with with uh, his his wife and. I saw Cody, and I saw Joe, and I saw the looks on their faces. I was like, okay, I get it. This is a moment you wanted to create. There's a reason why it's not the main event. There's a reason why there's no heel turn. I get it. With that being said, I think Jordan and Gable are the future. I think the the way that they set this up hopefully will work towards something. I just – like people saying that there's a Balor heel turn coming, I don't see it. I think it's going to be have to be Joe. Joe is the face of NXT is not going to work. Uh, no, I mean – because now Apollo's there, which we'll get to in a second, yeah. and Triple H's words on him and everything. Yeah. But Finn, when he goes, and that's going to be sooner more than rather than later. I don't care what he says in the special and wanting to be the face of NXT and start something good. That guy is super over, and Vince is just drooling at this point. Yeah. Like, Triple H is holding on for dear life. Yeah. You're like, Vince, don't ruin him yet. He's – um. There, there are there are hints of heel in Finn Balor. Like I've seen him play heel in New Japan, so we know he can do it. The leather jacket is like, oh, that shit's great. It's right there. It's like he can turn heel at any moment with this leather jacket. The way he like flips the jacket and he like opens up has the NXT belt. It's like, oh, you you have very heel elements in you. But um, yeah, it's like they're gonna hang out for dear life. But they're gonna I don't know how long he's gonna hold on that belt, but it's gonna be probably for a while. Unless they're getting ready to send him up and Joe wins, beats him for it. Because there's really nobody else that can really compete for it. Like, who's the biggest heel in NXT right now? Corbin. Nobody, uh, nobody wants to see Corbin. No one wants to see Corbin. Uh, nobody just wants to see Corbin. Like, Prince Pretty is kind of just... He's turning into, like, the resident jobber. Yeah. I feel bad. Like, well, let's talk about let's He's talk been about there forever, match. too, by yeah. the way. He's never getting... As long as Dolph Ziggler's there, Tyler Breeze is never getting called up. They look too alike. <laughs> Two different characters, though. They are, but they look too much alike. Their gimmicks are kind of sort of the same. They'd have to something has to change for Tyler Breeze to go up. His gimmick has changed. Something has to change about him. But um, let's talk about that match because Apollo Cruz, Tyler Breeze, Breeze had a lot of people cheering for him. Cruz looked good. Cruz did look good. Uh, I like the new finisher. I I do, but it, it it lacked the impact. Like I thought it was gonna like the way it happened. It was like oh. Like, it looked good, and then it hit, and it was just like, tap. When he hit the mat, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I expected a bigger impact. Well, it, when someone sells a little bit better, then. Well, yeah, but you, you got to kind of, like, it's hard to set up. You got a guy on your shoulder, you got to turn into a power bomb. It's going to be a little bit difficult. It's better than the Gorilla Press backflip finisher. That's just, it's, it's too cheesy. Yeah, yeah, it's not, not going. Even though he used to hit the double backflip. 
which was a little bit better, but it still doesn't have that same pop. Nah. But we're going to see, like, Apollo Crews is that guy who's the, the proverbial face. He's, like, I, I don't see him ever turning heel in the near future. He smiles no. too damn much. Yeah, that's his whole character. Yeah, like, he's always happy. He's, like, happy to be here. So the match was good. It was serviceable. Um, It wasn't the best match on the card. Uh, Breeze's work was great as usual. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I like Cruz's whole character though, because I was like, "Yo, how are they gonna make him smile and then give him like a character for right. like interviews and everything? Like, how does that play off?" But like the small promo work him and Breeze did do for this, that was good. That Cruz was, good. was really good because I was like, he's kind of an asshole about yeah. it, but smiling the whole time, the happy asshole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's just like, "Man, I can't wait to see you in the ring." Yeah. Like, he's, it's hilarious. So I, I like that. Um, We'll see where Cruz goes from here. Triple H gave him the nod of, you know, basically the nod of confidence saying he could see him as a champion one day. I don't know how far that goes. There's a big difference when he gets to the main roster and whether people gravitate towards him. He's got a long way to go. I like the look. I like the pro, like the intro, everything like that. Um, the big AC with the green and all that stuff. It looked great in the stadium. Yeah. So. No, I mean, he's got – I mean, the guy, he's big. You know, he's big. He's athletic. Um We'll see how he translates to the main roster with longer matches. So he's got a way to go. Um, Oscar and Dana Brooke. So, uh, as far as the debut is concerned with Oscar, I was like, yeah, it's like okay. I've seen better work from her. Um, the kicks. I mean, people love the kicks. I guess I'm not a I'm not a kicker. That's <laughs> that was uh, one of the things with Daniel Bryan that people wanted to just take my head off for. Like, oh my god, his kicks are amazing. I'm like, I'm not a kicker. Like, it's so stiff. Like, man, it, it doesn't do anything for me. See, I, but whatever. I enjoyed the match from the – we got to see a lot of her, and we got to see her personality. Like, her personality, even though she doesn't speak English, like her mocking Dana Brooke was great. Oh, yeah. Um, her smile. Like, the way – the certain things that she it's did. Like a twisted little smile, Yeah, too. Like, she's like a little demented. There. Yeah, it's an undertone. And the bril- the beauty of how she would, like, caught her in the armbar the first time. Like, when she jumped up and caught her in the armbar. Like, her, her style is going to transition well. Her transitions on the ground were crazy. She, like, I was watching it. I was like, Andreas is just marking out yeah. right now. Because I was like, That's all these like. armbar transitions. And then she hit, like, the traditional armbar. And I was like, this can't be her finisher still. And then they gave her, like, a dope, like. Yeah, like a crossface chicken yeah, wing like, finisher. Yeah, chicken wing finisher. Which everything in her, in her tool set screams that she has the potential to be the next NXT champion. However, with Bailey as the face, and there's, again, we're in a situation where who's the biggest heel? I thought it was Dana Brooke. Now Sasha Banks is gone. Oscar just ran over Dana Brooke, so it has to be this Nia Jax. Hopefully, she can perform because she's supposed to be a big Samoan. She's the Rock's cousin. Yeah, is she a heel? She is. By she's the way, she's got to be a heel. Okay, quick transition, real quick, not to get too far off topic. Nia Jax is actually pretty. She is. Looking at her Instagram, like big Samoan chick, she is beautiful. You give some big Samoan chicks love nowadays. People will be hating on the big Samoans, yo. She is beautiful, and they do her makeup so bad, and like want to make her look like such a monster heel yeah. that it's horrible. But she has like amazing pictures on Instagram. I had to like creepily follow her like two weeks creepily, ago. Creepily, creepily. Keep an eye on that. Like a six foot one, really thick, beautiful chick. She, There's a market for her. Yeah, she's got to be a monster heel coming in. She has to be. She's got to be Bailey's nemesis, like, right off the rip because there's nobody left, you know? I mean, unless Emma gets a push, but, you know, it seems like she's been buried. Yeah, nah, and she's been there forever, too. Yeah. But now she's a sidekick. Yeah, basically, a Dana Brooke who just got I ran thought, over. Yeah, I thought it was just Dana, really. Um, But 
triple threat match, something. Something has to go on. We'll see. I mean, we'll have another NXT special soon, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, so that's essentially the card. I mean, I was most impressed with Gable and Jordan at the end of the day. Even though I loved Bailey and Sasha Banks, I think Gable and Jordan show us a lot. And I think it's going to be hard to play them off as heels because now the fans are just really into them. But that's the beauty of NXT. Like, the fans down there love the heels. Yeah. They love anyone who can go. It's really like that indie feel where heels are getting cheered and you just really just stick to your character. You know, when you go into casual fans, main roster, it'll carry over. You'll be fine. But outside of that, when you're down there, if you can perform, they're going to cheer you. And that's what Jordan and Gable can do. Hopefully they get this title push. And it seems like a lot is just setting up for that London show. <laughs> you know what's funny? It's like the Vaude Villains of the Champ, and I want them to lose the belts to Jordan and Gable, like, tomorrow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, no, immediately. London, yeah, I mean, I just feel like, the, like, Vaude Villains was great when they won with blue pants and everything, but now I just feel like, get the belts off of them. You know, Blake and Murphy were nowhere to be found on this special. The Vaude Villains were nowhere to be found on this special. We know that Jordan and Gable are the future. Um, you know, even Dawson and Wilder. Like the mechanics, basically, look like two mechanics. But <laughs> even them as a tag team did more to Balor and, and Samoa Joe than Corbin and Rhino did because they're the ones that set up the injury. Yeah, and they, Dash and Wilder are not bad either. So we got we got some good stuff in the tag team division. Shifting gears, womp womp. Let's let's talk about Raw. Oh, man, wait, wait. Raw. Let's talk about the MSG special, which was another womp womp for me. I didn't care for it. Um, Owens keeps winning. In unconventional, eye-raking fashion, which bothers me. They're bothers making me a him lot. a mini Rollins. Yeah. Like, now it's like, if you're a heel champion, you can't win clean. It's, it it's, makes no it's, sense. Yeah. And he had an opponent where he could win clean. Yeah, why why, why couldn't Jericho just put him over? Yeah, clean. like, I don't understand that. I, I, the, so, the, that whole, the whole special as a whole, it felt like I was watching Raw. Like, a lot of these matches, promo. we've seen these already. Mm-hmm. Even... Cena and Rollins, I'm so sick of watching them wrestle. And I'm so sick of – Rollins is a champ. Why can't he be the U.S. champ? I yeah, don't get it. That's still the stupidest thing. You're minimalizing your champ. Like, you're, you're trivializing everything that he does by continuously having him lose to John Cena. And then the Kane coming out, oh stupid. And Rollins is going to win at Hell in a Cell because he only wins pay-per-view matches. But all it does is, like, uh, even if Rollins goes over completely clean, which I expect him to do because this is ridiculous now. He hasn't won a clean match in God knows how long. Only on SmackDown. <laughs> yeah, only on SmackDown where nobody watches. Yep. But you've done more damage to your champion than good. Putting him in this feud was damaging to begin with. You could have done this this take um, this uh, Kane character where with the split personalities with anybody else. You didn't you didn't have to do it with Seth Rollins. He's your champ. Like your champ doesn't always have to look strong. But even Edge and Christian won clean a few times, even though they used to cheat all the time. Yeah, <laughs> it's like like if you're gonna cheat, cheat and still be strong about it. He cheats so he, everything he does is cowardly. And he's the best performer on the roster, which is the reason why they put him in back to back matches on Night of Champions. But you're putting up against Kane at Hell in a Cell? I'm good. They're just killing time. Killing time to get the belt off of his waist. But who are they going to put it on? Cena's about to take a vacation. Cena's about to drop the title at Hell in a Cell. He's taking off. Take until, me, yeah. He's taking off. I don't know so who his opponent's going to be, though. Nobody knows who his opponent is going to be. Big E? Hopefully it's Big E. Then the New Day gets all the titles. More gold. Swimming <laughs> in gold like Scrooge McDuck. I'd love it. <laughs> but who's, who does and Rollins? they're super over, so I can't complain about that. Who does Rollins drop the title to? 
If he's going to lose it, I don't want him to lose it. But there's really nobody there unless it's going to be Roman Reigns that could take the title from him. And Roman's not ready for that. From yet. Cena? No, I'm talking about from Rollins. Oh, no, no. There's nobody on the roster that's been built up aside from John Cena to beat Seth Rollins. No, I mean, you can't go heel versus heel with Owens. Owens has a title. He has the perfect title. Yeah, he's got to um, good for him. I mean, we don't know when Daniel Bryan's ever coming back. True. Which would be beautiful, him and Rollins in a feud, which would be, it'd be great. But Great matches. Rollins is the cowardly heel, but there is nobody to take the title off him except for John Cena, and nobody wants to see And him. he's going to have one hell of a run with that belt. He may take it to Mania. Who, Rollins? Yeah. That's what I've been saying. I hope so. Uh, I really want him to. And that's a long-ass run. Like, that's... You're pushing CM Punk status. Yeah, like, dude, he's got to start winning clean sooner or later. Kane will have to be the first step. I don't know if Brock Lesnar is making another run at that title anytime soon. I have a feeling that after Hell in a Cell is going to put them both out until Royal Rumble, him and Taker. Maybe not. Ooh. Maybe we see more of Lesnar sooner than later. Maybe he comes back for the title. Like, Lesnar's completely forgotten about the title. He's been so embroiled in this Undertaker feud. Which is good. I mean, I don't need Lesnar. He doesn't need a title. Yeah, to have a title per se. He's going to chase the title again, but I feel like you do that to set up another feud. Yeah, pretty much. So... Going like go. Let's go back to Raw. Raw, Raw, Raw sucked the last. What else few happened weeks. on Raw? There was a Divas match that nobody cared with about. the Bellas. All right, there's one thing I want to I want to point out. Stephanie McMahon, I don't understand what her character is anymore. Is she a face or is she a heel? There is no clear cut line. It's like she antagonizes Seth Rollins for doing heelish things, and then outs him for for calling out uh, Kane to HR. And then she antagonizes the New Day, which I thought was completely useless. The whole, you know, if you play that trombone, I'm going to send you somewhere. I was like, come on, this is dumb. I thought you were a heel. Now it feels like Stephanie is a babyface. So the, are the authority babyfaces now? Because, I mean, everybody loves Triple H just because of NXT. Yeah. So <laughs> what, are we, what, is, what is Stephanie McMahon's role now? Stephanie, she's, she's not a heel because she's leading the Divas Revolution. What is everything about it is corny. The authority, like, authority figures in wrestling are always bad guys. They're never good guys. But now Stephanie is like, they've shifted this role with her under everybody's nose. It's been very slow. Like, she'll do something heelish. Like, Seth, you're our champion. And then she admonishes him when he does something heelish. She's like, oh, Seth, you don't need help. I said, well, which, whose side are you on? Pick a damn side. And then Seth has to run to daddy, Triple H. And it's like, come on. This is, like, this is out of control. And Triple H doesn't care as much anymore. He's less heelish. He's very much less heelish, which leads me always to believe that there is a Seth Rollins-Triple H feud happening sooner than later. I don't know when it is. I think so, too. Maybe I mean, it's Mania. Maybe I did my not. Mania early Mania predictions because the tickets went on sale. So I did like an article They're not on sale already. yet because uh, I would have bought mine. No, November. Yeah. The announcement of the tickets announcement, yes, I going on sale. Because I buying mine yes. immediately. Um, that package that they're selling is incredible. It is, but, but I'm not spending room, that much more yeah, money for it. Because they give you kind of shitty seats at uh, WrestleMania. For the, like the $500 ones, for the bronze level seats, Like they give you – yeah, you got to look at it. They have to look at it real close. No, the, the ultimate package that they put oh, in yeah, like the, yeah. the presser thing where you get first four rows at NXT, Raw, and yeah, you WrestleMania. Got, like, it was like five, five grand. Yeah, that, I'm okay. <laughs> but anyway, go ahead. The listener wants to pay that for us. So can we get a sponsor? Shit, we like, need several for that. Yeah, just give us a sponsor just for Mania. Give us 10 Gs. We get the 5,000 package each. We'll go have a ball. Yeah, we'll have a blast. <laughs> it would be down there with Kaz. 
Somehow, yo, you see Kaz on the special? Okay, not to go like left on. Kaz and my man Jeff J were both on the special, dapping each other up. Get like Kaz looked like a wrestler himself with his little tank top on. I don't know if he's listening to this right now, but I saw it and I was like, really? Because I was sitting there, Kaz back on the show. Yeah, I was like, really? And they saw their like their expressions twice. They showed them twice. Like my man Jeff was about to do a lap. I was like, look look at these fools, man. Like these are my boys. Like, oh, okay. All the special. Yeah, let's go back to Raw. Okay. There's another there's another person whose character I can't figure out, and it's Paige. What are they doing? What is this PCB stuff? They're oh, attacked. heel Paige. Is she? She yeah. can't, like, all right, here's my problem with Paige. Paige comes out against Natalia, right? Now, it's the, the whole breast cancer awareness, Susan K. Coleman thing, and everybody's got the shirts on. Natalia comes out with her shirt on. They do a long shot, and she, like, throws her shirt in the crowd, and, like, nobody says anything because you can't really see it. Paige comes out, they zoom in, and Paige is still doing her baby face. This is my house, and people are cheering for her. She's not playing the heel role. She's not, I don't, like. I feel like she said that when she was a heel. But it, it was different. Like, the whole cancer thing makes it difficult for you to be a heel, right? True. Like, because everybody holds, wears the shirts, and everybody has their opinion on this whole breast cancer awareness month Except thing. for you, who feels that. You could use cancer to be overly heelish, like what? you said with yeah. John Cena. What? And just I, hey, that, besmirch the memory of a, a cancer-ridden child. Yeah, I mean, it, I know it just sounds messed up, but I, that's just <laughs> that was just my way of putting Cena over as a heel. Like, say, you know, that's cancer kid's stupid. <laughs> like, like whatever you say, like, that's the only way, because John Cena's been doing Make-A-Wish for so long, and that's what he's known for. It's like, have him turn on the kids. That's the only way you're going to turn him heel. Anyway. Paige wearing this this the breast cancer awareness thing, the way that she came out, and then the way that she wrestled, and then the fact that she still occasionally tag teams with T- PCB when they're against the Bellas, which is weird. And then it's they all bounced dumb. on her. Yeah, then they like what again? What are we doing here? I feel like they're writing things, and then the next week they're changing their mind. They're trying to set up two feuds, which they have what nine girls, right? Nine right. women. In this whole thing, if you count Snooker, who really doesn't do anything, even though she had a dope kick this last week. Yeah. Uh, her super kick was nice. But outside of that, like, you have nine women to book, and you have one 10-minute spot to show. So they're, like, forcing them in there and trying to create storylines off of that. So, I mean, I guess if you go Paige Charlotte for the next push for but, the title. But we got we got Nikki Bella and Charlotte at Hell in a Cell in three weeks. And so you have to work that angle. It's like they pulled the Is trigger. Is Nikki not taking a vacation? Not right now. She's with her fighting. man? I know, right? But they're fighting at Hell in a Cell. She so, go take a vacation with Cena. So you basically, you did the heel turn for Paige too soon. Because now she's, Charlotte's stuck in a few with Nikki. Unless Paige gets in this match in a triple threat, which I don't see happening. You turned her heel and she's really not feuding with anybody. She's just kind of there in limbo. Just starting to break apart the factions. Yeah. The only faction that can stay out of this whole revolution is the Bellas. Right, because they're sisters. And the Buy chick. Alicia Fox and get her out of there. Oh, I was about to say Alicia Fox. I, I forgot her name damn near. You see? Figures. But And the black Bella. <laughs> <laughs> How she became a Bella? Who knows? Dang. But Whatever. But it's just it's confusing what they're doing with Paige's character. Because he's kind of, like I said, she's in limbo. She tapped out to Natalia. Like, what? Yo, that... I can't call it. Her and Cesaro. Oh, well, yeah. Two Cesaro's not on television again. Like, what the... What? Are, <laughs> this is so frustrating. Yo, he, but then they could bring him out and he could take Cena's title. Like, he's that, like, just instantly over. But, dude, quit. Make up your mind. Because he can do an open challenge. Like, Cena can bounce and Cesaro can do the U.S. Open Challenge and do great matches every week. 
it's just make up your mind. That's all I ask. Make up your goddamn mind. Um, also on Raw, Kevin Owens versus Sin Cara. The fact that Kevin Owens turned to Kalisto and was like, you know, like, what do you say? Like, no teenagers? Yeah. Probably. Yo, that was like, Kevin Owens, the ring psychology that he possesses is so great. Oh, amazing. And, and the things that he does are perfect. He's just so in tune. I hope, watching all this, I hope they break up the Lucha Dragons and give Kalisto like a Rey Mysterio type run because he's so good. Oh, very good. And they need a mass wrestler if they're not going to bring El Generico back. So <laughs> let it be Kalisto. If it's not, not, don't let it be Botchmania Sin Cara. Let it be Kalisto because that dude's got talent. Well, also during yesterday's uh, Triple H panel, or it was his Q&A yeah. on Twitter, they said, is there anything you want to bring to NXT that's missing? And he said, uh, Cruiserweight Division. It's something he wouldn't mind like bringing back and trying to revive. Well, I could see that happening. They got signed Rich Swan. Yeah, did you see him on? Did you see I him, saw on, him on the stage with his nappy hair, looking like ODB? Yep. Him and Biff Busick were both sitting there, which is crazy. And James Storm was supposed to be backstage too. Yeah, saw that, saw the picture, which is weird because I really don't care that much for James Storm. I always thought Bobby Roode was the better wrestler and the better talent. But the look—if he's there, whatever—he's gonna be a player coach, like they said that he might be. I'm fine with that. I like to see James Storm there, but it seems like they have the potential to create a cruiserweight division. Um but it's hard because when they did the light heavyweight division years ago with like Tasha Taka Michinoku and all those guys, yeah. it was terrible. It wasn't like WCW's cruiserweight division. No, but that's what NXT is for. He didn't say main roster. He said, "What yeah. can I do in NXT? You can do whatever you want in I mean, NXT." Eventually, and I think it'll work. Yeah, but you, you gotta Kaz, make you gotta make the show over an hour. We're we're getting to the point where NXT being one hour a week is just not enough. Gotta go one and a half. Yeah, something at one, least one and a half. Um, but that might be a nice way to get a Tommy a belt right away. On his return, well, if you, not really a cruiserweight though. Like he, he needs he, a ti- in like, size, but yeah, but essentially he needs a title run. He's 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 the bigger star in NXT. He needs a title run. I don't know about that. He doesn't need. He does. They, they haven't developed his character. Well, I'm sure they will when he comes back, enough. and maybe those maybe they'll develop him as a heel. I don't know, but he got attacked, so I don't know how they're going to work all this. I'm trying to figure it out. Um, there's one other thing I want to talk about from Raw before we move on to other combat sports. Summer Ray's proposal to Rusev, and the way Rusev handled it. Oh God! Hey, Summer, when I first met you, I did not like you. Yo, <laughs> Rusev is something special, and he's still trapped in this shitty angle. He's like it's trapped. Like he should be to get the U.S. title back, basically. Like Lana should come back, kick Summer Ray to the curb, at Hell in a Cell have the open challenge. Rusev and Lana get back together. Rusev takes the U.S. title back. Rusev is too good to be sitting here middling in some ridiculous angle. Well, right now it seems like Dolph Ziggler's not even a part of it anymore. It seems like he's going to be feuding with the New Day along with John Cena. Yeah. Which, I, whatever. I'm I don't good. know why he's feuding with the New Day. Maybe well, Big E needs up, like a side, a side feud so the other two can hold the titles. Um, I'm still very confused by that whole Dolph Ziggler weekend at Bernie's angle. <laughs> that happened So <laughs> Yo there was a couple things The other thing about that was The New Day won It was three on four And the New Day beat up everybody Easily Black people went again Like Just kind of marched over Cena Ziggler The Dudleys came out Just beat the hell out of them You know Xavier Woods did his thing Like Biggie danced And they <laughs> left And it was the end of Raw That was like the best part of Raw I was like that was good <laughs> Other than that I was like whatever Raw's just stupid I'm tired of seeing Kane I hope Hell in the Cell hurries up the go I, to I hell hope tour. it is an open challenge at, at Hell in a Cell. I do too. I just hope it's somebody that's gonna take the belt. So he's gonna have to lose the belt. He yeah. can't go. On, he can't go on. Only John Cena could do it. Go on hiatus, just take the belt with him. Like he'd do <laughs> That'd it. Be so but, shitty. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Nah, man. What happened to Sami Zayn? Is he healthy? Um, he's still supposedly a couple, maybe weeks or months away from being back. I, I predict he's going to come back for the Royal Rumble. This has been my thing the entire time. Man, I want to see him back already. Yeah, um, I'm ready to see him back. But does he just go back to NXT? Or is he kind of outgrown NXT? He's outgrown that. Like, you can't just throw him back. So he has to come back a few with Kevin Owens. It has to be on the main roster. Main roster. It has I just, I'm trying to figure out, I've said it a million times, I figure that Zayn comes back as El Generico. I wish they didn't do this whole Kane thing, because Zayn be like, I don't know who you're talking about. Like, this El Generico character is like, not me. Like, he could do that. Oh, yeah. Still wear the sling on his arm, like, dude, I'm injured. It's not me. I don't know who eliminated Kevin Owens from the Royal Rumble. some masked guy. But it could be <laughs> Sami Zayn and build towards the latter match at WrestleMania, which I've been saying that has to happen. That was in my article the other day. Great what? minds think alike. Ladder match, him. Owens IC title WrestleMania kickoff, and I put the I put the video from their original. Well, they've had two. They've had a but, bunch uh, of ladder um, matches. I put the ROH final one, that one in there. We'll see in the background. Isn't your favorite one in the background. Nobody can see what we're watching right now. But this is Steam Wolf that we're watching right now. And at the end of this PWG uh, taping is when Kevin Owens or Kevin Steen and El Generico had their legendary ladder match, and I think the vent fell from the ceiling when they got the title. Yeah, like they've had legendary. This is your favorite one. This is my favorite ladder match. Yeah, I've okay. watched all of their ladder matches. All like they've been, they've had some brutal matches. I like the ROH one just because the package pile driver threw two ladders I in mean, the middle of that, two ladders. That was my second favorite. What's crazy? This is why, like, you build that feud for three months. The heat between those two is it's it's legit, and a ladder match to kick off WrestleMania at Cowboy Stadium at AT and C Stadium. It sets the tone for the entire show. It, it would be great. And the crowd would pop so hard for Generico versus Owens. You know those two are going to deliver. Oh, yeah. So, let's do it. You, y'all need to figure this out, WWE. Don't, don't mess Let Triple this H. Let Triple H book the whole card. Yeah. This, yeah but he's not. He's just going to focus on NXT and of make that better than Mania itself. And yeah. we're going to be pissed. Indeed. Like, he stole SummerSlam's whole thunder. Yeah, yo, Everyone just sitting there at SummerSlam like, he's are you serious? He's continuously <laughs> roasting the main roster. <laughs> Inadvertently, is tight. It's yeah. been like twenty years. He's just like, yo, Triple H is best to me for like twenty years. He inadvertently does it every time. Married so. my daughter and shit. Like yeah. now he's just like, oh, let me just upstage you with this little promotion you gave me. Next level shit. It's a damn shame. Um, so I guess we'll take a break. We got to come back and talk everything else. UFC, yeah. boxing, uh, everything else that happened this weekend. Thank you guys for staying with us. I know it was a couple days late, but damn it, we're worth it. We do it all the time, man. Like this is what we do. We deliver. We get you through your work day. And when we come back, we'll tell you why we're a couple days late. I forgot to even start the show with that. Yeah, so okay. listen after the break. What up, loudspeaker family? What's up? It's your man Ice-T. And I'm the co-host, Mick Benzo. And we're here to tell you that if you love podcasts like the Combat Jack Show, the Taxi, the Brilliant Idiots, Fan Bros, and the Corn, yeah, then you're definitely going to want to check out our podcast, The Final Level Podcast. The Final Level Podcast is where you're going to get to talk about the latest movies, Games, TV shows, and sports, but delivered from two OGs who give less than zero fucks about how you feel. We don't hold shit back on this podcast. It's, it's the, the hardest, hardest podcast, podcast on earth. On iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, which is real close to Snitcher, but it ain't. And YouTube, right here on the Loudspeaker Network, the number one podcast network on earth. Church. All right, everybody, welcome back. Quick little break. Yeah, man. God, it's a lot of combat sports this week. A ton. It feels like 
well, now it was nine days. So we packed nine days into one show. So it's crazy. Yeah. And it was nine days because Andreas was betrayed by his favorite thing in the world. No, I wasn't. I got sick. And he's and Kel's going to keep trying to blame it on brunch. You blame nothing He on got brunch. sick at Sunday brunch and was on the IR nah. for two days. Nah, man. I ate something bad, but it wasn't at brunch. It was at brunch. What no. day did you start feeling sick? Monday. I had brunch on Sunday. I would have felt sick immediately on Sunday. Oh, that's not how it works, man. It takes a while to kick in. All right, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time about why. Brunch is not good. I'm just telling you. Brunch is not good. You can't keep slandering brunch. Happens, man. You can't keep slandering brunch. Okay, you hold on to something that's making Because guess where I'm going brunch. this weekend, goddammit? Probably to the same damn brunch. Nah, I, I, I got to pick a new one this week. I think I'm going to Wicked Spoon. I haven't been there in a while. Yeah. I was about to say, man, maybe I'll join you for brunch, you know, see what the hype is about. You should. You should. Wicked Spoon brunch. Once again, Andres always prices me out of things. Well, all right, you want to go to the Suncoast? The Suncoast is across the from my house. <laughs> it's it's very affordable, and they got endless champagne. Do they? Yes. All right, let's go to Suncoast. <laughs> all right, we'll see. Sunday, bro. See, you know, we'll see. <laughs> no, Look, we'll yeah, see if you I'll, go. I'll, we'll see I'll if you plan go. to go to Suncoast. Right. I'll be up here. He'll be at Wicked Spoon. No, I'm, I'm serious. Like, if you go, if you down to go, I'll go. No, now, yeah, we'll go right here to the Suncoast. You know, this Sunday. All right. We, we need a periscope or something so people can see <laughs> our brunch time experience. And the smile on your face when they keep filling up your glass with endless champagne and mimosas. Yes, and they'll see my headache six hours later. Listen, you got to be a man. got to grow up. <laughs> <laughs> man drinking champagne. Brunch. Yes. What's wrong with you? Anyway. Endless mimosas. UFC 192 was this weekend. Um, <laughs> it's, it's so crazy that this is like the second thing we're talking about in the show because there's so much wrestling. But 192 was a pretty stacked card. And the main, we'll go right to it. The main event, Cormier and Gustafson. Hell of a fight. Great fight. Great fight. Um, I mean, what? It's the second best behind Jones and Gus? Yeah, Gus is and like that the division. The, uh, Gus is like the best loser of title shots. <laughs> he like is. he puts, he exposes everybody he fights. Now, I feel like Cormier. Outside of Rumble, by the way. True. I feel like Cormier looked past Gus. Just like Jones looked past Gus and didn't expect what he got out of Gus. I don't understand what Cormier was doing. He got the early takedown. He slammed the shit out of him in the first round. And then he didn't go for a takedown for like three rounds. And he chose to stand and trade with Gus. And Gus kind of, he almost knocked him out with that knee. What was that, in the third or fourth? Yeah, in the fourth. But that was like a desperation knee. Yeah, it came out of nowhere. But he ripped. DC was killing him with the same uppercuts he was killing John Jones dirty with. boxing. Yeah. It just makes you. It, so good at those. Watching that fight. And watching how violent it was, I was like, damn, this could constitute an immediate rematch. However, didn't Gustafson just get mauled by Rumble? Like, the the paradox that you have at the top of the light heavyweight division, it's a mess. Because now, Cormier, who has won, retained his title. John Jones, who seems like he's lingering on coming back with his quick Instagram video, you're like, mm, I think I miss it. Yeah, John Jones with the... <laughs> you saw that, like... Yo, mm. he looked like a villain... Off of every 90s cartoon. Yeah. Paint his face. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, he would have been like a street villain. Like, gadget villain. Yeah. Like, he's like that. All he needed was the cat. Like, he, he had it, and he was like, mm, I think I miss it. Click. <laughs> and then he deleted it. And I was like, what the hell? And everybody grabbed that shit. John, yeah, you can't front on him. You, like, stop it, John. You haven't learned by now that everybody's, too, like, anything on the internet lives forever. I don't know why he doesn't <laughs> get that. But with, with Jones lingering, now Cormier's beat Gus. Gus had a hell of a fight. Rumble's still lingering on the outside. Rumble pretty much got dominated by Cormier, so I don't know where Rumble goes from here. Ryan Bader seems like the logical co- choice for a Cormier fight. I don't know what the hell happened to Rashad Evans. 
But the ring rust was evident. His timing he was laid so egg. Yeah, he um, didn't. He couldn't get off on his punches. Like Bader was flashing the jab in his face. Bader had better footwork. I was looking at Rashad. I was like, "What happened?" But he's been out for two years, so maybe that explains it. Yeah, and I, I mean, or Bader could be better than we remember. It's possible Man, to it's get better. It's hard to think that Bader is better. Like I see Bader as the Five same straight, guy, right? Yeah, like, he's beaten a lot of people. Like I like, think, damn. Like I guess stats don't lie. He's gotten better somewhere. Yeah, I mean, he got mopped by Teixeira, and he got beat by Machida, and he's reeled off five straight wins. So he's in line for the title shot, which you'll get based off of now that infamous promo that he cut at the press at conference. the press conference. The fight in, makes sense now. In July. Yeah, it didn't make sense before, but now the fight makes sense. So I don't know where Rumble goes. Does Rumble fight Glover Teixeira? Because I think that fight probably makes sense because a rematch with Gus doesn't. No, no, not yet. Gus has to get a win. Let, let's, right. Let's let Gus win one. Um, feed him someone beatable, and we'll go from there. And uh, as far as DC and Bader's concerned, man, it has to go off because John Jones isn't in any position to demand when he comes back. No, obviously, absolutely not. So it's dumb for them to rush him back anytime before UFC 200. Well, you know, to be completely honest, and I said this before a while ago, John Jones comes back, he has to fight Alexander Gustin for a title shot. He doesn't get an immediate title shot. Oh, they're going to give him the immediate title. I, they, they should. They should make him fight Gus because they had a hell of a fight. Yeah. Gus should at least get the opportunity to earn his way back to a title shot by beating John Jones. I'd give him Rumble instead of Gus because it was supposed to happen. People you know think what? Rumble could have beat him. I'd give him yeah, Rumble. You know what? Give him, make him fight them both. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Work like, your way back up. Yeah. If you, like, you've messed up. You've ruined a lot of things in your career and how the UFC does their business. Go ahead and, and fight them both if that's what you have to do. So there's that. Um, but DC is going to want him as soon as possible. Is, uh, DC sees that kind of the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, it, I mean, I talked to Rashad before he lost a few days, and Rashad was telling me that you know DC's obsession with John Jones could hurt him. I think that's true. Like he focuses so much, and he may have looked past Gustafson thinking about John Jones. Um, so yeah, he's going to want that fight, but I don't think John should get an immediate title shot. That's just my. That's just how I feel. I feel like even though John never lost the title. You need to fight your way back in because of what you did. I feel like he's getting it at UFC 200. I, I think it's guaranteed. Um, I don't think we see Connor on that card. At 200? You crazy? I don't think we see him at, on that card. That's nuts. Connor's fighting he, at 200. No, because if he wins the title in December, he wants to go back to Croke Park. He wants to take the belt back to Ireland, and, and they're going to let him. Yeah, and then he'll fight again in, in July. He's no. fighting at – yes, he is. Watch. He's not. So he's going to fight in – March? Yeah, March and July. Yes, Connor will do it. To fight at two hundred, Connor will do it. That's Ronda's crazy. definitely fighting at two hundred. Ronda, there's no doubt about Ronda Rousey's fighting at UFC two hundred. Okay, I'll give you that. Um, I don't know if the heavyweights will fight there, but I think you're gonna have to have a big draw, and I think they still want to put Connor and Ronda on the same card. I think that's where you you're gonna have your biggest bias is well, at that. And then Connor the debut is the title then by the. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see if Connor can win the title. Like, hey, we'll see if he beats Aldo. Well, he has a title. He has an inter- he has a, <laughs> like, he has a fake title. Let's be real. He has, Wait, it's a on. fake he, title. He has a title. It's it's a fake title. You shouldn't. That's title. So let's see if he can keep the title. He has an interim title. He has a belt. It's not a real belt. It's not paper mache. Yes, it is. Essentially, <laughs> they made exactly a belt for Connor. It's like, hey, Connor, can you stay in this fight? He's like, what are you going to make me do it to do it? And they said, here's the title, Connor. Even though Jose Aldo hasn't been out for a year, we're going to call you the interim champ. Why? That was stupid. His belt weighs the same. It's not ten it's ounces stupid. lighter. Anyway, 
The so, rest, it's going to be crazy to see, though. I can't wait to see how that card comes together because I, I think we get DC versus John Jones, and that's the headliner of that card, and everyone else is underneath it. Damn, I don't know if it's the headliner if Connor's on that card. Oh, John Jones still outranks Connor. He doesn't draw as much as Connor. Oh. He doesn't draw as much as Ronda either. I don't know. We'll see. The we'll return see the of John Jones still doesn't draw as much as Conor McGregor. If Conor McGregor continues to win, nobody's going to outdraw Conor McGregor. Those would be the best promos, by the way. Like if you have all three of them on the same card, it's the best card of promos. Ever. You know what? Because the John Jones, I'm coming for you, boy. Look, amazing. Before we go back to the, the rest of this card, the Ronda Rousey Holly Holm promo for 193, great, was brilliant. Great. The UFC has has. Who's the promo guy? I need to go down to the offices and meet him. Like that guy. I just want to meet him. Like, yo, you're the promo guy. I need to interview him. Absolutely amazing. Like, damn, how do you think of this shit? Like Like, casting Ronda's sister, casting his mom, her mom, and uh, having and then giving equal part to Holly about how she came up, and then them meeting. It also makes you want to buy the pay per view, even though it's not going to be competitive at all. <laughs> it's like it's like ooh god, this Style is sentimental. Fights, though. Nah, not this one. Style makes you get your ass whooped. Ronda's gonna roll over Holly Holm. Anyway, we gotta stay on course here. Damn, that's w- that quick. I can't wait until that show. What we got three more shows until we get <laughs> yeah. there. One ninety two uh, was the debut of Sage Northcutt, and you know it's funny because people call him Sage Van Zant. Like, <laughs> first of all, I did some research on Sage before I watched him fight, and I watched this kid being a black belt when he was 15 and the shit that he was doing in Taekwondo. And then I watched his, his legacy fights. And then I watched him in UFC. This guy might be a big problem for everybody in the UFC. How many legacy fights did he have? I'm not sure. I've seen I was like, like two- yo, he's 19. Yeah, he's a kid. He's like, well, 21 now. He's, he's He was a kid. Yeah. And that kid, uh, man, the ability, the Is speed. I think so. I, I don't think, think he's even 21 yet. He couldn't drink. He couldn't drink after the fight. He well shit. He, I remember oh, that you're right. being he's like nineteen. This, he's he is 19. nineteen. Like yo, when did you turn pro? This that guy is scary. You turn pro at seventeen? Yeah, that's insane. And yo, that backflip he did is just that's defying like the laws of physics. That's like being in the matrix. Says Northcutt is that dude is about to be really scary. He's like a, a honest to god Van Dam flick. Yeah, he's about to be really scary. Watching him, I was like, oh shit. Like if he fights it, I don't know what he's he fought at a catch weight, so I don't know if he's gonna venture over to lightweight or he's gonna stay welterweight. Whatever, he, doesn't matter. I'm scared to watch this kid fight, like, because the thing is, at 19, he hasn't even gotten close to his prime. He's still learning. Oh yeah, nah. He this kid could be lethal. He still doesn't have the mixed in mixed martial arts. Like he's just going out there. But he's got a jitsu game. Like if you watch his legacy fights, Taekwondoing. Yeah, well he can, but he's got a jitsu game. If you watch his legacy fights, he's got a ground game. He's just nasty on the feet, and he's fast as shit, and he's ruthless. Super quick. I was like, yo, he's going in there against a grown-ass man. Like, yeah, let's see what this is about. Whoop, 45 just seconds. rolled him over, and it was like, all right, cool. I was like, shit. A grown so, man who couldn't make weight, so he's way bigger than him. Yeah. And, and I was just, just like, oh, look, well then. So, yeah. Um, and the other thing on the car was uh, Juliana Pena saying, I'll be your huckleberry. <laughs> 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 all right, Juliana. Um Everyone wants that money. Yeah, go, I mean, I could be your Holyfield. Like, you're not a Vander Holyfield. Like, I like Julian Opinion. Don't get at me wrong. At this point, if you take Ronda to three rounds, do you get a fight at night bonus, you think? Probably. You should. You should get some kind of indiscretionary check. Somebody yeah. should cut you a check for that. <laughs> Come on. You got to do something. Like, it's like, please last. Like, 
there's got to be handicaps when Ronda fights now. It's like, okay, Ronda, round two, no ground game. All right, <laughs> round three, you got to hop on one foot. Like, it's, it's getting ridiculous how good she is. But Juliana Pena is calling out Ronda Rousey. Of course, everybody's calling out Ronda Rousey. Um, but Pena's going to have to work her way up. I just don't know, you know, fight Misha Tate. Fight Kat Zingano. You're not ready for Ronda yet. Yeah, Misha. But Misha is the crusher of souls underneath. She's the ultimate gatekeeper. Yeah, <laughs> underneath Ronda. So Dana can only feed so many, like, prospects to Misha before she yeah. just keeps taking them out, which is why Holly Holmes jumps her. Yeah. Because it's like if Holm had to go through Misha, she's not getting there. Well, yeah, Ronda's never fighting again as long as Misha Tate is the gatekeeper. Yeah. She's the one that's like, you can only enter if you can beat me. Nobody's beating no Misha No one's Tate. beating her. Except so Ka- like, Kezingano will probably beat her, but other than that, I don't see anybody else beating Misha Tate. And she probably pulled the upset. Like, at this point, I'm stopped picking against Misha against anyone it's, it's really other hard. than Ronda. Because she's really got hard. better hands, like, her condition is good. It's like, I can't pick another woman to beat her. It's crazy. So there was a fight that didn't happen at UFC 192 that got more attention than everything else. Hey. Uh, good old fat Johnny Hendricks and Tyron Woodley. Chubbs, Johnny Hendricks. Um, so Dana made two announcements that went into this, and both of them bothered me a lot. He awarded Tyron Woodley the immediate title shot next. Which is crazy. But then, Condit, I guess, uh, has a loss to him. So. Well, then he also exiled Johnny Hendricks from the welterweight division. So I'm going to start with Johnny Hendricks getting exiled from the welterweight division. He missed Reaction. weight. He missed weight one time. He just had a title last year. Yeah, it's not Gastelum. Yeah, he's not Gastelum. He's not John Lineker. He's why would you exile him to the middleweight division? Let him get on a healthy diet plan cuz clearly he's not working with Mike Dose. Dose basically shitted on him in the media was like, "Dude, yeah, I he, I knew every mistake he was making." Let him get on. If he misses weight again, then you kick him out. Yeah. But he, he just beat Matt Brown, who's basically on the cusp of a title shot. Let him work his way back. He missed weight one time. Fine him. You know, berate him. You know, tell him he's a terrible human being for missing weight. You ruined my money, blah, blah, blah. But don't kick him out of the division. No, overreaction. Yeah, like, stop it. Like, Johnny's not going to move up. Johnny's no. going to make the weight. And Johnny's going to plead his case. Him. Like, Johnny's 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, he's not fighting... Those guys in middle way, like Chris Weidman, will destroy Johnny Hendricks based on size alone. Yeah. So let's be fair to Johnny. Give him another shot at welterweight. Nah, yeah, he can't move up, and I don't think he plans on moving up. Dana was just being Dana and overly emotional on the spot and doing his best Vince McMahon and just throwing shit out there, and then now he's probably calmed down. He's like, oh, wait. Yeah, let me think about this. Let me I'm think sorry. about this. I'm sorry, sorry this guy was like a champion. Okay, like he barely missed out on keeping his belt. Let's probably keep. Yeah, him let's keep him there. Now, Tyron Woodley getting an immediate title shot. This is these are all things that sound great, but they're all the detriment to the fighters that Dana White does this to. Tyron Woodley gets title shot. He's excited. Yeah, I get a title shot. You're not getting that title shot, Tyron Woodley. No, he's walking back on that, just like he did with Misha. Yeah, it's it's walking th- right back on that one. Carlos Condit fights Robbie Lawler, right? Johnny Hendricks, if he's hanging around in the welterweight division and Matt Brown wins his fight, all of them are going to go past Tyron Woodley because Tyron Woodley has, really hasn't had a fight. He was injured. And the, if anything, if Robbie Lawler beats Carlos Condit, Tyron Woodley needs to fight Carlos Condit again because Carlos got injured in that fight. See, I think what we see is towards the beginning of next year, I think Woodley's going to have to fight Roy McDonald. If so R- when Rory comes back and then you say, Tyron, you have the next shot, but Rory deserves an immediate rematch. You guys fight each other and the winner goes. Well, therein lies the problem is that there, there are talks being reported that Rory McDonald's fighting Hector Lombard when he comes back. 
Lombard's off of his, his year suspension from steroids. I and, hate that they keep giving, like, roided up people, like, that yeah. shot, like, right away. Yeah, I know. But that means, so you have Rory, Carlos, Matt Brown, and you're going to give this title shot to Tyron Woodley and who hasn't won the fi- any fights? I think what happens is Johnny Hendricks pleads his case, and then you make that fight again. And you force Hendricks to make that weight, or else he gets exiled from the division. And then you put you bookend it with another welterweight fight like we're doing in December, just in case Johnny doesn't make weight, we pull somebody <laughs> to prepare to fight for Ty- fight against Tyron Woodley. Yeah, but it's just sad because I know Woodley's excited and I know he's gonna get the rug pulled out from under him because he's not getting that title shot. No, you just can't justify it. The no. division's too good. Too many active people are putting in work. Yeah, I, I think Brown right now thinks he could beat Woodley easy. Well, yeah, I think like Matt Brown. I mean, he had. The other thing, Matt Brown had a hell of a fight with Robbie Lawler. You know, he just got squelched by Johnny Hendricks' wrestling. But Matt Brown, Brown is like Gus, kind of. Brown is like well, you just run into like the elite level competition. You're just a hair less than them, so you really can't get over the top and beat them. But you're one hell of a fighter. I mean, Matt Brown is that guy. Like he he's it's a good. hell of a fighter. And he's just, fun to watch. It's on the cusp. Yeah, like, he's right he on. Just can't. He hasn't turned get the corner. Over that hump. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It's like if Matt Brown wins impressively. Why wouldn't Danny say, ah, Matt Brown over Tyron Woodley for a title shot? Like, I can't see Tyron Woodley getting that title shot based off of nothing. Based off of fat Johnny Hendricks missing weight. Yeah, no, nah, I can't. Can't do it. It's overreaction. And it's the beauty It's the beauty and the beast of Dana White being the head of the UFC. We love that he's a fan of fights. He's not like a promoter who's just here to promote. He loves what he does. But then he's also so emotionally invested into it that he makes these kind of haste decisions. And then it's like... For the poor fighters, they're like, ah. Like, Misha, it's like, God damn it. Like, you just yeah. pulled the rug out from under me. And even though Dana's doing what, what he feels is best for the fans, in a lot of cases he does that, it just kind of hurts at the end of the day if you're a fighter and you get promises and you can't trust, you know, the UFC president's word on anything because you may never get the title set he, get, he offers you. It's too soon. Too we, spur of the moment. Like, like if, if Robbie Lawler and, Carl, and Carlos Condit have a great match, they'll just have an immediate rematch. And Willie's not going to hang around and wait for them to fight again. Exactly. So it, it's that's just my two cents on. It. I love Dana White. And I love that he's so emotionally invested, but it's just really bad when you start making these very rash decisions that you, you just need a cool down to. period. Like just remove yourself, <laughs> think about it for a second, Dana. Come back. That's it. But he likes to just go right off the cusp, and it's like, yo, just slow down, my man. It's, it's like okay. chill. Yeah, like take your time. It's okay. I got, um, Dana White as a parent scares me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what do you like? Your kid does something wrong, and it's it sounds like, pretty good, football wise, by the way. Which is what I heard, but I just wonder, like, like Dana flips, like, ah, you're banished, get out of here, I exile you from my house. Yeah, and then the kid like walks down the street, and Dana's <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I, you know, the team's undefeated right now. We'll see, we'll yeah. see if they're whole, uh, they're at Durango High School out here in Vegas. If anyone is here in Vegas, and this freshman teams like Demarco's little cousin, and yeah. All this shit, they got crazy money. So we'll see. Poor Durango coaching staff. They might be on the way out. <laughs> Dana's gonna coach that shit himself. Yeah, pretty much. He ain't playing. He ain't playing. Like what? Nah. So I guess that wraps up the week in combat sports. Oh uh, no, we didn't talk about your boy CM Punk. Oh, getting injured. One um, of the biggest stories that wasn't a big story. It's weird because he doesn't have a fight book yet. He's basically just training for a fight, and then he hurts himself, like most fighters do. Oh, there's another story. You can't What's train for a year straight. Well, he has to get ready, you know. All he right. has to learn it from scratch. He's trying to put 15 years of discipline into one. Well, so here's the thing. Punk getting hurt is probably good for him because it gives him more time to prepare. 
But I was thinking about this the other day, and CM Punk's debut fight, people were like, ah, oh, you shouldn't give him a softball. But you kind of have to. And, and what I mean by a softball is why wouldn't you give him somebody that's just made their professional debut? Like, why would you throw him in there with somebody that's like 15 and 10? Because he's making his professional debut. Right. It'd like, be like even. Like, like, let's be fair to CM Punk. Right, let's don't be, put him in with like a North Cut though. <laughs> like, no, don't put him in with like a Sage. Yeah, like, no, don't no. put him in there with a Rory McDonald. Like you got to put him in there with somebody that's, you know, just getting their feet wet in MMA as well. Because really, it's a showcase for CM Punk to see whether he's got it or not. He could lose if somebody's making their pro debut. It's possible, but f- people are just screaming for him to get his head mowed off by some, you know, great welterweight if he, if that's where he's going to end up choosing to fight. That's not fair to him. It, we're, we're just doing we're just throwing him to the wolves based off of his name. That's not fair. But he's hurt. It looks like now more than likely to make his debut at UFC 200. Yeah, which seems so far away, but I guess he'll be here in like a blink of an eye. The way things move is so fast. There is one other story I did want to talk about: Dillashaw leaving Team Alpha Male. Ah, oh, yeah, and, and Connor just Connor's like, loving this right the now. Credit. <laughs> Connor is eating the grass. <laughs> so Dillashaw essentially has left Team Alpha Male. He's moving to Colorado. What's the, the gym called? Elevation. Elevation. Uh, with Dwayne Bang Ludwig, and, and he's going to take some guys with him as he prepares to fight Dominic Cruz. State of the art facility, I guess. And there are so many storylines built in here because I know Dominic Cruz is like looking like, oh, you're not with Team Alpha Fail anymore. I'm not. I can't be. I'm not as mad as I was. You know, like, <laughs> and now it paves the way for a Dillashaw Faber fight if it was ever to happen. True, because you're not training with each other. Um, but still, I mean, he has to beat Cruz. He's got to be Cruz. He, I mean, and it hurts Team Alpha Male because now the only belt in the building is gone. Yeah, now it's like shit. We just lost. Yeah, our, we just had a champion. And it's funny because Dillashaw was that guy who came in and everybody was like, "Ah, oh, he lost to Dustin in the Ultimate Fighter finale. He'll be like a middling guy. He'll be all right. He ended up being your best fighter." And yep. now he's like, eh, fuck you guys, I'm out. And he's like, me and Dwayne Bang Ludwig, we're going to go to Elevation and we're going to start this whole thing up and build it from the ground up ourselves. Might have a better gym than Alpha Male at the end of the day. Oh, facility-wise, it's going to be crazy. You know, but, you know, Alpha Male still has Cody Garbrandt. They still have Paige Van Zandt training there a lot. They still have Chad Mendes, of course. It's just kind of crazy to see Dillashaw leave. And it, it seems the way it looks is like kind of manipulated this whole situation. Yeah. Even though it's not true. But it looks like kind of manipulated it. And it's unfortunate that the Ultimate Fighter isn't live because I love to see his <laughs> true reaction looking at Uriah Faber. I was like, I told you so, you little bitch. We'll get it during the finale, I guess. We, we certainly will. But it, it's crazy because Connor has like that little bit of Mayweather in him where he can take like hearsay. Or it'll be like, yo, did you hear that uh, TJ might be leaving? And all this. <laughs> he's like, yeah. And he just puts it into his whole act and everything. So at the end of the day, he looks like he like created and he can do that off of just like a little bit uh, of hearsay. And he's so smart and he can plan ahead and he plans and plants all these little seeds for future fights and future rivalries and all this stuff. Dude, he's to constantly sell and make money. I sat there and I was the first one who said. Too much Conor McGregor when they had him coaching the Ultimate Fighter. I've been watching it, and I'm like, nah, I'm good. I like this. <laughs> like, watching Conor McGregor and on TV. And he just comes in for the fight. Yeah, he comes in I for the it. fight, and he's dressed. He's got his, like, $1,000 shoes <laughs> on. He's sweating out his shirt. And he looks so cool, but he's still so passionate about what he does. And he, his team still believes in him. He shows up for the evening practice, and he, he's very meticulous on his game, you know, how his game day strategies go. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm watching, and I'm like, he really loves what he does, but he's still Conor McGregor, and it's still wildly entertaining to watch him. <laughs> like, just to see him, just listening to him. Like, he's a, he can be annoying and be that kid that gets under your skin sometimes, but 
I couldn't watch the Ultimate, I wouldn't watch the Ultimate Fighter if it wasn't for Conor McGregor. This yeah, season. and there's no there's no off button with him. Like, <laughs> there is truly no off. He button. is who he is. Like and take it or leave it. But it seems like everyone who trains with him, not like his team uh, on the show, but like his real team who came out here and stayed at the mansion and everything. It seems like they just love being around him. Yeah, and he does make them better. There's a reason why he's so good. He has those like intangibles that you really can't peg, and he does stuff so different. And he sees things from different angles and and just a different view on how you train and just partake in MMA. I just wonder how Conor McGregor is going to take a loss in the UFC. Oh, it's going to happen stadium. sooner or later. But, I mean, he's taking a loss before. It's not going to hurt his yeah, confidence. It's, it's a bigger stage now. He's, he's going to bounce back. Like that's a, He's going to talk more trash. He's going to sell more fights. He's going to claim that, you know, he got bested that night. I think he's going to be like very complimentary of the fighter and he's not going to down talk it. He's not going to make excuses. He's going to say he's going to come back. He's going to trash talk his next guy. He'll go after Frankie Edgar or someone like that, beat them, come back and get another title shot. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting because he's not Chael Sonnen. He's not, it's not an act. This is Conor McGregor. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to boxing. Sweet science. Oh, the sweet science. Boxing is last. Boxing is last this week and I guess I'm going to start it off with watching Adrian Broner win his fight and first of all, what were your thoughts on Broner's fight? Uh, I mean, they they set it up for him to win. It, it is what it is. I thought he did what he had to do against that opponent. I He's comfortable at 140, and that's where he belongs. But he's not taking anyone difficult at 140. And he still feels like he's one of the best. And... Shout out to Glasses, who I was talking to while the fight was on. And Glasses is giving Broner's entire resume by the age of 27 <sighs> and saying, like, well, Ray Leonard only had this many division belts. And, uh, and you know, and Broner is in four division weight yeah, classes yeah. already and champion. And, I, I, and he still loves Broner. And he said he's only 27. Like, there's people who haven't done anything like this by 27. He can still grow. He can still be the man. And talent-wise, he could. He doesn't have the mentality. He doesn't have the mentality or heart of a champion. Right. I, I've just conceded this already. So I, I've told this to Glasses, and we talked the other day. Same thing. We're talking <laughs> about his achievements, and other people have hit me with the same thing. Well, well who's done? Well, first of all, Broner kind of forced himself out of the division by being a fat boy who likes to eat. Correct. So he had to move up in weight. Now, you talk about who he's beaten as champions. Let's recognize these names of these champions. Who has Adrian Broner beat? He beat Khabib Alakardiev, who nobody knows who he is, to become the WBA light welterweight champion. It was a vacant title. Sounds more like an MMA fighter. It's like, but it's like, exactly. But <laughs> I don't give credit for, like, there's so many alphabet titles. There's so many titles that are vacant. There's so many problems with the sanctioning bodies. I don't care if you won a title. This title was a vacant title, right? That's what I'm saying. This was a vacant title. You know, beating Carlos Molina for the vacant international light welterweight title. I don't give you credit for that. Light welterweights, the guys at 140 that you needed to beat that were at 140 were Danny Garcia, Lucas Matisse, Ruslan Provodnikovs. They, even though they don't have titles, we all know them as better Peterson. fighters. Yeah, Lamont Peterson. You're not beating the cream of the crop. When you fought for the welterweight title against a name, Marcos Maidana, you got your ass kicked. <laughs> Badly. So going back to this Khabib fight, I'm watching Broner, and I'm not impressed. His footwork's still the same. He still throw, he pot shots. He still throws one punch at a time. And he, he got a stoppage in a fight where they should have just let it go the last 30 seconds. Yeah. I mean, Khabib was, had been hanging around for this long. He'd been, why not let him last the rest of the fight? Is Adrian Broner naturally gifted? Yes. 
Does he have natural ability? Yes. He needs a new trainer. Stafford's not getting it done. And his mentality has to change. That post-fight... Oh, he can't get a new trainer, though. But he has to. Mentally, he can't handle it. No, he can't, but that's what I'm saying. The better trainers would eat him alive. Like, his... It's weird. He's so new generation. Um, People, if you just listen to podcasts, like, I coach in my spare time, coach high school football, and, like, these kids don't know how to be yelled at anymore. Right. Like, they're... It's that AAU mentality, kind of. Yeah. It's like they get babied and all that stuff. He's a product of that, where if you get, like, real coaching, like, some real old school... Like, he'll just break down, or he'll leave, and he says, I got this amount of money, I don't need this shit, and he's a prima donna, he'll walk out. He doesn't, he's not built for that, like, to get better in that way. And that's the difference. Like, that's why a lot of these guys are, you know, trained or coached by their fathers and relatives and all that, because that's the tough love you can still get, and you can't go nowhere. You ain't leaving family. Right. Or the light turns on you, like, I need to be elite, and you you have the hunger, and then you go get a real world-class trainer. He doesn't have either of those things. Like, no. as far as for him, I mean, you'll never see him switch like Roach or anything like Like, he can't handle that. He can't handle the truth. It's true. I agree with you 100%. And watching this fight, he still has the same bad habits. He still has the things that made him lose to Sean Porter, made him lose to Marcus Maidana. He doesn't throw combinations. He's not busy enough. He goes into modes. And, and he that- could throw combinations. He, what frustrates me the most about watching Adrian Broner fight is he has two modes, offense and defense. He doesn't counter. He doesn't use his offense. To, he doesn't use defense to create offense. He'll cover up, wait for you to finish, and then he'll start throwing pot shots. And he did it again this weekend. And I'm like watching him, and I'm like, he's not changing. He's 27. He's not getting better. He's, Glasses says he's going to be a huge future Hall of Famer. Well, then, hell, Devin Alexander is going to be a future Hall of Famer, too, because he's won <laughs> title, world titles in two different weight classes. He'll probably win a title in the third that nobody cares about. Like, Devin Alexander's beat Marcos Maidana and Lucas Matisse. You know, but we're, we're not talking about him the same way. I think Devin Alexander probably beats Adrian Broner. Damn. And I'm, I'm just not big on Adrian Broner. Um, I think Terrence Crawford beats Adrian Broner. And people are thinking, you know, like Glasses and a few others are thinking, I'm crazy for saying, like, oh, well, Bud hasn't really beaten anybody. Terrence Crawford, like the eye test. Terrence Crawford passes the eye test. Adrian Broner does not. Adrian Broner was better when he was at, like, 130. Crawford definitely beats him. Yeah. Crawford's just, he's too good. He switches. Switches stances. Yeah. He's confusing. He's active. Like, I don't Adrian, know exactly where to put Crawford, though. So I'm kind of with them, but I think he beats Broner, but... I don't know how good Crawford is. We're, we're still trying to figure it out. I mean, the Gamboa fight showed a lot because Gamboa was a tough dude, and he be, he got Gamboa out of there. Um, I just don't know. Like, we still got to figure out how good Terrence Crawford is. He's fighting Jerry Jean in a couple weeks. Whatever. We'll see. Like, the rest of the elite 140s, now that Victor Postal sitting on top of that, which we'll talk about shortly, how he beat Lucas Matisse. Somewhat on top. Well, he's on top. He's, he's the best fighter in 140 right now. He's clearly the best fighter. Wow. He's a champ. He beat champ. Matisse. Terrence Crawford, honestly, even though I think he's the most talented, he hasn't beaten anybody on the caliber of Matisse, so I have to give it to Victor Postal. But Broner, he's not beating any of those guys. Give me Broner, Ruslan, Pavonikov. Stat. That's what I want to see. Pavonikov is still way too strong of a puncher, <laughs> especially at that weight. He's a strong puncher at 147. Yeah, he's a scary guy. A 140, he's taking his head off. Like, you, you got hit by Maidani, and you think that shit's hard. Get hit by Pravonikov, and he got an iron chin. So he's not shelling up and letting you throw one punch at a time. He's going to flurry you. That's a horrible matchup. So, that's, that's a bad style. So the Broner. other thing that troubled me about Broner is he didn't do any interviews before the fight. He refused because he was focused. 
got canceled. He canceled like two of them. Yeah, right? he just like shut just, down. He only did an interview with Showtime saying he was a changed man. For a man, your media obligation is to speak to the media. For you to cancel, that means mentally you can't handle this shit. That's what it tells me. Then afterwards, after the fight, he's he not professional. No, not at all. He has his post-fight interview and he's talking, and then he calls out Ashley Theophane from the Money Team, and like. 90% of the people watching this fight, well, probably, probably I would say 50%, because you probably were a diehard box fan if you tuned in to watch this fight in the first place. <laughs> but who, Ashley Theophane? Really? Of all the people at 140, you could choose to fight Ashley Theophane? Trying to get that Mayweather check? <laughs> there ain't no check for that fight. Mayweather trying to give him a check. Yeah, Mayweather basically baited you into saying, okay, fight one of my guys that you could probably beat, Ashley Theophane. Theophane's not that good. Stephen's kind of boring to watch. But yeah, I mean. why? Like, if you're making your client, like, Brona said, I'm going to fight when I want, whoever I want. That tells me right there, you're not built for this. No. Nah. Because the you guys. You haven't earned that. No, nah, you haven't earned that. Op- you're not you're that not good. Nah. <laughs> you're not Floyd. You can't pick and choose your fighters. You lost, buddy. Yeah, like, Porter robbed you of that. Yeah. So, if that's the case, like, you're, you're not built for that life. So, cut it out. Like, I mean,. Even though I think Adrian Broner probably beats this weather-worn Lucas Matisse that lost against Victor Postal, I still would prefer to see him fight somebody like Lucas. Fight somebody who's going to be worth it. Don't fight, like, don't fight Ashley Theophane, who's not even ranked. Like, come on, man. Just because he's with the money team, cut it out. Broner doesn't care, man. He just wants to collect. He got paid a mil for this fight. And I don't even see why. If you get a mil per easy fight, you make four mil a year. Once again, that's not going to sustain his wild-ass lifestyle. No. And he's going to be dead broke real soon. Yo, but he he's him, Chris Brown. Chris Brown ain't going broke though. Not not going broke. They're gonna, be on, they're gonna be on celebrity rehab. Oh yeah, yeah. They're, they're gonna be coached by Bobby. H one just cut him the check yeah. already. Like Bobby, might Brown, as well. Bobby Brown's gonna be headlining. And he's gonna be taking care of these guys, and and Adrian's gonna be like he's gonna have probably like thirty kids, and it's yeah, be something ridiculous. It's like people they don't see Holyfield. Yeah, like and that he wasn't a horrible guy. Like. No, he just slept with everybody. Yeah, like he's like fuck Christian values, <laughs> adultery every day. Yo, it's just like come on, man. Like the learn from the people before you. Just don't be the same knucklehead, and he doesn't care. No, and it's a, and, and, and like I said, I spent time with Adrian Broner a, a while before. Damn, fuck Gavin Rees, I believe, and spent time with him out in Michigan, and spent the weekend hanging out with him. He's a cool dude. It's just you can see that he's like he can't be taught. He's not – he's going to do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. And it was very indicative after that to say, I'm going to fight Ashley Theophane. I'm going to fight when I want. It's like, no, you haven't earned that right. And, you know, we've been critical about Floyd for that shit. And Floyd is – has been the man. Best person of this – best fighter of this generation. Right. And you – you going to pick who you want to fight? Chill. Nah, you got to fight who they put in front of you. And you need better – And numbers. hopefully they make them. Hopefully. Do so. And hopefully. not let them just pick people. So, and that's why Al Heyman is in the position he's in in PBC because he's supposed to get these fighters to fight actual fucking top-notch talent and not just a bunch of tuna cans. Exactly. We'll see. I mean, so we go on and we have Victor Postal and Lucas Batiste. Um, it was funny because, you know, we're saying Glasses Malone's name. It was loud on the show. Glasses texted me and was like, Victor Post is going to stop Lucas Matisse late through the punishment. And I was like, no, he's not. I think Victor's probably going to win because he's taller, he's ranger, he's a great fighter. But I was like, I don't think he's going to stop Lucas. And what did he do? He stopped, stopped him. him late. Whoa, like, Lucas quit. Yeah, Lucas, like, I, I, wanna, I care about my vision. Whatever, Lucas, you, you got beat up. Yeah, Lucas was just like, not tonight. <laughs> yeah. But it says catch, a lot. Catch me on the rematch. Not tonight. It's like Matisse, it sucks. Here's what sucks about this. 
The fight that was supposed to happen that never happened was Lucas Petisi and Marcos Maidana in a battle of Argentina. Yeah. Fight should have happened a long time ago. Never did. Now Marcos Maidana's like 280 pounds still eating this Floyd Mayweather money. <laughs> and Lucas Batista is battle-worn and worn out. That fighting style doesn't hold up. You got to nah, catch man. it. Strike while the iron's hot. Yeah. I remember being at StubHub, and, uh, yeah, they were on the same card. And Argentinians were out heavy that day. Loved it. And uh, everyone was like, yeah, these two are going to fight next. It, it seemed like it had to and happen. I was like, okay, and then never happened. It's like missed opportunities. It's like when they had uh, Juanma Lopez and Gamboa were supposed to fight, and Bob Aaron kept holding off. He was like, nope, when the money's right, when the money's right. And then Salido just came in there and whooped on Lopez and was like, oh, that fight's out the window. You got to just <laughs> do it. Sometimes you just got to pull the trigger. They get so scared, man. They try to build it to that pinnacle all the time. And there's always someone more hungry. Yeah, always. And we saw what happened. Victor Postal looked like an elite world-class fighter at 140. He it, did, but I'm, I'm, I don't know. I am, I'm hey, still not all aboard. I, there's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of competition at 140. 140 is kind of interesting right I think now. Danny gets him out in there. And you know my opinions on Danny. Well, Danny's fighting 147 now, so. I know, I'm just saying. When the, uh, Danny. I don't know. Victor's long and rangy, man. I, I don't know if Danny's going to get past that. I think it's a good fight if it happens, but. Victor and, and whoever he fights next, I, I'd love to see Victor just beat the brakes off Adrian Broner and teach him a boxing lesson right now. <laughs> That's just kind of what, what I want to see. Yeah, Broner ain't going that route. Speaking of the you know Broners and who he's fought, it's, there's been this rumor about Keith Thurman fighting Sean Porter on December 12th. And people ran wild with it yesterday. And I called Kenny and I said, hey, Kenny, is there a fight? He's like, no contract, no date, no nothing. So it doesn't seem like it's happening yet. Um, but obviously something is, is bubbling here. And, and obviously, they're going to make it happen now. They, I mean, I feel like they have to. Keith Thurman needs to go ahead and sign that contract. And that fight, December 12th, that's perfect. Sean Porter, Keith Thurman, two A-sides against each other on the rise. We usually don't get that a lot. No, and Thurman has to prove it now. Like, Thurman, it's like, it's yeah. go time. It's, it's not going to be easy fight. No, and I mean, Kenny has been Kenny and Sean have been talking about this fight for months. After Danny Garcia was like, no thanks. They're like, all right, fine, we'll fight Keith Thurman. That contract's been sitting on the table for a while from what I heard. So now Keith is kind of backed into a corner. If you don't take the fight, it's on you. Yeah, now it's, it's public now. Yeah, because Kenny's run. like, I put the fight out there. Sean's like, I want the fight. The only person left is you. It ain't Al Heyman. It's you and your team. So, But it, nobody cares about your team. They care about you. Yep. So for Keith, it's like, damn, you kind of backed me in the corner December 12th. All right, showtime. Looks like I'm going to have to take this fight. Like he has to take this fight. It's a hell of a fight, too. I hope it's not the 12th. Why? Because we got UFC the whole weekend. Oh, shit. Yeah. You don't even think about the schedule. No, nah, I don't think shit. about none of this stuff. So, listen, guys. Never mind on December 12th. December 19th. December 19th or the first couple weeks of January. That's fine with me, too. Train. Get a little healthy. It's, yeah. Don't listen, do it the do same day as you camp. Yeah. yeah. Do a full camp. Do it for us. <laughs> do, it for, do it for me. We got Sean I on the show again. We'll be like, yo, Sean, man, you just need a full camp. Don't rush. Get, get the full camp. <laughs> Mid-January, come on, right here at the MGM, keep it in town. Yeah. Don't travel. It's the fight we want to see. It's the fight we want to see. Yeah, don't don't compete with the UFC that weekend. Don't do, don't compete with Aldo McGregor. No, no, no. Just You just want no part away. of that. So hopefully that date changes. As soon as I heard the date, I was like, oh, damn. I didn't even think about that. Selfishly, I want to be at every fight I could be at. So. Yeah, especially that caliber of a fight. So I don't know, man. And I think it's a fight that's really up in the air. Uh Sean Porter's style is hell for everybody. Everyone. And Keith um, got, showed that he gets hit a lot. So his stock kind of dropped a little bit with me. And Porter's rose. So I'm like, ooh, I don't know how to pick. I don't know how to pick. Like, I got to. But I'm not high on Broner. So, with, like, Porter, it's like, okay. It's like, but I don't know where Broner is now. But where's Keith at? 
He beat Robert Guerrero, who got dropped by Aaron Martinez. So it's like, true. Hmm. I don't know. The whole division. Sean left himself open. He got dropped by Broner in the 12th. So it's like, can Keith touch his chin a little bit? Sean's always going to get up. You ain't going to stop, Sean. But that hurts in the cards in the long run. So it's like, man, I, I don't know how to call it. It's it, it honestly is a toss up. It, it is, that's and you don't know like who's showing up. You don't know what Keith is showing up. You know what Sean is showing up. Yeah, you know he's coming to fight. You know Sean Porter's coming at you. Um, before we head out of here, this next week is Gennady Golovkin and David Lemieux. Yeah, and uh, Roman Gonzalez and Brian Valora at the pay per view. We'll talk about it real extensively next week. So this past week, I was doing rankings for Sharedog and USA Today. I'm part of their ranking committees, and we had a kind of discussion about who should be number one, and everybody says it should be Roman Gonzalez. Is this a group chat? Like, yeah. how do you guys rank this? Like, we you do get it via group email. Call? We do an email, oh, okay. and everybody sends their list, and we kind of everybody says who they want in their top ten. It's, it's a kind of a long process, actually. Okay, um, I'm intrigued by that <laughs> process. So there was this discussion that I started thinking about: is that everybody had Roman Gonzalez as number one? I started to think about it, and I was like, why isn't Sergey Kovalev the number one pound for pound fighter right now? So I'm asking you, Kel. Even though Roman is he, they're both undefeated. Mm-hmm. They both are knockout machines. Who should be number one pound for pound, Roman Gonzalez or Sergey Kovalev? I mean, Kovalev beat a Hall of Famer. That that just puts your resume over the top, right? I mean, Gonzalez, it's not his fault. It's not his fault. It's not his fault. He's just light in the pants, <laughs> and there's no. Hall of Famers in that division right now. So he can only fight the people put in front of him. And he has one hell of a brand of fighting and a great style. But Kovalev is doing it against tougher competition. Fight in and fight out. So why um, why aren't we putting him number one? I think for Kovalev, it's still like you fought Hopkins, but Hopkins, once again, is 50. Um, fought John Pascal, who's former champ. Pascal, amazing fight. But there's two fighters still ahead of that that you haven't fought. And I think that hurts him more than beating a Hall of Famer and a champion already. It's like, cool, but we want to fight. see you fight Ward. Cool, and you'll probably kill Adonis, but we want to see you fight Adonis. Because there's two fighters still considered close enough to you or on par with you. They're, there's closer competitions to him than it is anywhere near Chocolatito. That's true. That's true. Anywhere near. The distance between the second best guy is huge. It's, it's very true. But it, my other problem, and it's not necessarily a problem, because I'm not mad with Roman being on the top of the list. The problem that I do have with people putting him on, on the list, like generally speaking, not boxing journalists, is most people haven't seen a lot of Chocolatito video, and they're just automatically putting him on top of the pound-for-pound pound list. There is not a lot of footage of Chocolatito out there. I had to go back. And try to think about how many Roman Gonzalez fights I watched. I covered one here in Vegas, and I didn't think about it. He fought Soto out here when he, on the undercard of Marquez and Naitska, I, can't, I think, at the MGM ballroom. They fought in the ballroom, not in the <laughs> arena. And I thought about it, and I was like, damn, that was Roman Gonzalez. I was watching him fight like four years ago, and I had no idea who I was watching. I did, but I didn't. I think I've seen him twice, three but, times. But what I'm saying is is that everybody's putting them pound for pound, but I guarantee you that people are putting them pound for pound have not seen as many Roman Gonzalez fights as they've seen Sergey Kovalev fights. No, no way near. So it's like it's hard. It's like, well, what makes you put them up there? Are you just looking at a record? Because pound for pound is one of those things. It's the eye test because pound for pound, is, it's, it's fictional. 
Yeah. You know, you 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 look at a fighter and you say, "Well, I think he has the skills to be the best in the world." But if you haven't seen that much Roman Gonzalez video, what are you basing this off? And of? you can't say he dominates competition any more than Kovalev because Kovalev, he's like, been bully footing everybody, everyone, and good fighters. Yeah, these aren't bums. So it's like, damn, um, it, it's hard. It's hard to put him up there. But like I said, Kovalev still has two two huge things to prove, and really? you can't say the same about Roman. Like he, it's true. He's conquered his division. Like, uh, at most, he can move up, but he's so damn small. Like, there's really no. But where is he gonna go? Like, yeah, who is he can't. He's he's a flyweight. He's not maxed out. Maybe, maybe he could move up one more division. Maybe, but he ain't gonna pack you out. No, and, and blow not. up like it's it's not gonna happen. So he is where he is. He's going to rule that division for a while. And Kovalev, he's staring at two tough fights, at least two. And and it looks like the war fight is gonna ma- gonna be happening next year. They've basically canceled his his fight back in Russia in November. And even though Kovalev wants to fight there, he doesn't seem like he's complaining about it because they're gonna try to make this war fight happen, which is good. I mean, I would have liked to seen um, war fight on this Canelo card, but everything out there says that he tried to get pay per view shares for it and it was just like my man you think a lot of yourself you're just on BET this this like I talked to Abel Sanchez on the conference call yesterday and I asked him about the Andre Ward thing Andre Ward called I mean Sanchez basically called Ward a liar he was like the Lemieux fight was already made and here comes Andre Ward talking about let's fight but he was like we have nothing against Andre Ward we want to fight Andre Ward when Gennady first started fighting and I have video of this Gennady said he wanted to fight Andre Ward or Floyd Mayweather or anybody else he was like that's our job as somebody working up the ladder to call out all the big names but then you have to go out there and prove it. He's like, and we fought everybody they put in front of us, and, and now we're the big, we're the A-side. We weren't the A-side before. Andre Ward's not the A-side of anything because he's been inactive. And then he's like, who did he fight on BET? Like, how does that warrant you a big-name <laughs> fight? And he's kind of right. Yeah. As good as Andre Ward is, Andre Ward needs to be active. He he's, can't be demanding pay-per-view money. He's, you, leave, he's living off of three years ago. Yeah, you need to fight. Like winning the big the the super six super middleweight thing is like so what now? Frock is retired. Arthur Abraham's not nearly as good as he was. Neither is Darrell. And it's like, well, you need to fight like what? James DeGill? You need to fight somebody like that. Instead, you fought a bum on BET. And it's like now you should be fighting on if you fought on the Canelo Cotto undercard in the co main event, took whatever they gave you. And I know Rock Nation is negotiating for him and they're trying to get top dollar for him. But you put him on a, a on a big screen where everybody gets a chance to look at you. Now people are going to demand you to fight Golovkin. Exactly. Nobody's going to want you to fight Golovkin because they're like, well, and wait, they don't care who the hell you fight on this card. No, it doesn't matter. Give him a tuna can that he knocks him out, and they'll be like, ooh, power versus power. Right. Like that's, that's all the casual fan wants. And then you know what? If you don't fight Golovkin until next summer, cool. Go back to BET. Get your A-side money, whatever stupid contract Don't fight on BET you. ever again. Don't do that. Wh- whatever it may be. Because he obviously felt he got paid for that fight. And I don't know what they gave him. Nobody. Uh, I got to find out. Rock Nation might have negotiated one hell of a deal for that stupid-ass fight. And if they can give you one more of those, you take that in, like, March. And then gear up. And then you have Triple G. He's just got to do something. You can't say, I want to fight Golovkin, but I just fought on BET against somebody nobody knows, and then I've been inactive for the almost two years. I deserve the Golovkin fight. You're not Floyd Mayweather. Everyone wants to be Floyd. Yeah, everybody wants to pick and choose their spots. And I, so I get it. People will say, yeah, well, Ward will be Golovkin. Okay, that's great. But I really feel like now Ward is he's killing his own Ward career. Ward three years ago. Yeah, like, think about Ward three years ago. I am the most what-have-you-done-lately person 
probably in combat sports talk right now. People are like, how dare you? I don't care. What I see now was a really good fighter against a tuna can who had a good performance. And that's all I've seen in the past three years. And I've seen Golovkin taking everyone out. So sorry, Ward, you don't get the upper hand in this. No, you don't. You don't have the negotiation ability here. You're, you're not the ace. I even picking him in that fight. No, like Golovkin worked his way to where he's at. Like he's fighting on pay per view. Golovkin two years ago, people were like God. People wouldn't fight Golovkin, and I know this from an unnamed source. I can't call him out. That people were turning down fighting Golovkin because there wasn't enough money in it. Big names. We're like, nah, he's not paying me enough to take that fight because he's not a big enough name. You're not paying me enough. Now he's a big name. Now you can't avoid him. All roads <laughs> go through Golovkin now. If Golovkin goes out there and mows down David Lemieux, if you're a middleweight or if you're Canelo or you're Cotto, and Canelo and Cotto have like a brutal war on November 21st and like Golovkin just mows down David Lemieux, it's going to be hard to say either of them can beat Golovkin. Yeah. And it's just the fact of the matter is, is that and Canelo's crazy enough to take that fight. Buddy. And let him take it. And I, I've said it from day one. I think Golovkin mows him down. Golovkin's footwork, his hand speed, his, his, his accuracy, his punch is just a better fighter. But these are the fights that people want to see. But now you're at a point where if Golovkin can do a pay-per-view and you can't, you have to fight that guy. Andre Ward, you want a pay-per-view? You got to fight Golovkin. Yeah, if you want to get pay-per-view shares, you can't be the co-main no. trying to... Finagle pay review shares. No. Like, where where are you, my the, man? The only way you get this fight, and it, I mean, obviously you'll deserve it, is if you fight Kovalev and you beat Kovalev. Then you've proven yourself. Then nobody can tell Ward shit. It's like, all right, fine. You you did what you had to do. You proved yourself with this one fight that we needed to see from you. Now you demand the attention that you deserve. But fighting on BET don't get you shit. Being on BET don't get you shit. I work there. It don't get me shit. <laughs> you ain't get shit until you left. Nah, <laughs> but, uh, Wow, we made that go fast, though. We yeah. crammed a lot into one episode. It was a lot, folks. Uh, next week, come back. I'm sure more craziness is going to happen. This, we'll have um, some wrestling talk. Wrestling. I mean, it'll be a little slower next week. So we'll probably have to get a guest. Yep, bring in a guest, talk a little trash. Yeah, you never know. Because uh, Golovkin and Lemieux will talk more in depth about that. Chocolatito and Brian Valora. There's some other things coming up. I don't necessarily know what. I know there's going to be some bullshit that happens in the industry that we'll have to talk about. We really talked no hip-hop talk this week. Wasn't really nothing to talk nah, about. Nah, we did, had to talk D Fish. Yeah, it's all about Derek Fisher and Matt Barnes. But um, you know, we'll be back at it next week. Knicks are doomed again, by the way. We just talked about the Knicks like last week's episode. Knicks are doomed again. Yo, I played NBA two K sixteen and I've been having a hard time beating certain teams, and I played the Knicks and blew them out by like forty five. And I was like, Wow, accurate. Pretty, it's pretty true to life. <laughs> <laughs> accurate. All right. Uh thank you guys for tuning in to this episode. You can catch me on Twitter, Instagram. Snapchat, everything, at Kel Dansby. You can follow me, at Andreas Hale. Talk your trash. Do what you got to do. Follow the show at The Corner LSN on Instagram and on Twitter. Shout out to everyone, Loudspeakers Network. Uh, this week, Combat Jack is in Atlanta. Yeah, it was at my at Morehouse, where I went. That's yes, my holding it down, um, representing the station correctly. And it's cool to see everyone doing stuff and blowing up and taxes doing cool things. And everyone, brilliant idiots, are obviously still ahead of their game on MTV and everything. So it's, it's nice to see everyone yeah, we, doing we, something. We, where's the invite? This is the, I'm calling everybody on the Loudspeakers Network out. Uh, where is the Andres Hell and Kel Dansby invite to your show? I know y'all are in New York, so y'all got y'all in the same circle. We're in Vegas. We'll make the trip. Yeah, so I'll come fun. out to New York. I got number fam out there. People scared of me, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Like, you're, you're politically correct. People are scared of me. They don't know what I'm going to say. Uh, that's true. So invite me on your show at your own risk. But all right. 
can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening. We're out. Peace.